There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, and it is my pleasure to bring to you, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, our guest this week, native St. Louisan, Francis Howell grad, Duke grad, and now a PGA Tour winner, Adam Long. And Adam Long is a hell of a story. Uh, it also just just so happens that Adam Long is a really good guy. Um, and his story is one that I would imagine, even if you're not a golf fan, you're going to love listening to because this was not the proverbial, you know, he was expected to do great things on the PGA Tour, expected even to be on the PGA Tour. This is a guy who graduated from Francis Howell in 2006 and graduated from Duke in 2010 and then didn't get on the PGA Tour until 2018. And so there is a long, long story in between leaving Duke, grinding mini-tours, losing his web.com card, getting it back, then getting his PGA Tour card last year after nearly losing it in the third-to-last tournament of the season, uh, and then uh, struggling in his first uh, few PGA Tour events to the point that he had only made one cut. And while, listen, $13,000 is a large amount of money for almost anybody uh, on the PGA Tour, if you've played uh, a few events and you only have $13,000 to your name, that's not necessarily a good sign. He had one tie for 63rd at the Safeway Open in Napa Valley, and that was it. Everything else was missing cuts. And, um, and then all of a sudden, on the afternoon in which the Rams uh, stole a game from the New Orleans Saints and the Patriots won an overtime in Kansas City, and so much of the sporting world attention was focused on those games, Adam Long had a duel with the second most popular golfer of the last, God, I don't know. I think you could maybe take it back to the 80s, but let's at least go back to the 1990s with Phil Mickelson. And Adam Long, uh, making just his second cut on the PGA Tour, uh, finds himself in the final group with Mickelson and Adam Hadwin of Canada, and a lot of Canadians traveled down to Palm Springs in January for this event, the Desert Classic. And Adam as you will hear him tell it, didn't necessarily go into the day like thinking about winning. His goal was just to make sure that he finished in the top 10 because then he would be able to play at Torrey Pines the next week. He had never met Phil Mickelson. He met Phil Mickelson in the, uh, in the tent before they went out there. First time he'd ever met him. And now he's on the tee with Phil Mickelson playing against him in the final group of the Desert Classic. And then you will hear the details of the story. It's an incredible story. It really is. And I think, I think to date in the 2019 PGA Tours, 
story and calendar, I would say the biggest surprise, uh, you know, I mean, if, 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 a, if a random winds up winning uh, the Masters, and that really doesn't happen, um, but if that were to happen, that certainly would, would be the bigger story as far as an upset goes. But Adam Long, uh, whose Twitter handle is fittingly a long shot, uh, had an incredible Sunday, and then it went down to the 18th hole against Mickelson. And um, if there is a, there are two signature shots from that 18th hole. Adam's second shot, and then the cutaway of Phil Mickelson going wow after uh, Adam uh, completed what was this incredible journey. So Adam Long, the guest, uh, we nerded out hardcore. Uh, I feel like he may have taken a shot at my golf game, uh, but but uh, I don't know why he would. I only told him about a round I had uh, recently in which I had 41 putts. To me, that I think that's the tour average. I think guys average about 2.5 putts per hole out on tour. Um, so I don't know why he would he would make light of that. But he also kind of talked about, you know, I know there's a lot of parents with young golfers, a lot of guys who are golfing themselves, a lot of ladies who are getting into the game. And so talked about, you know, his variety of experiences and some things that he does that has led to his success. I just, I love the interview. I nerded out hard. I mean, to, to give some background, as I always do, and maybe too much, but uh, we started, I think, probably at 110. And... Um, and uh, we only now at this point have one car down uh, in, in Jupiter, Florida, and uh, as my in-laws have left. And uh, so we just have our own uh, car down here. And so my wife needed the car at 240. So we started at 110, and she said, you'll be back by 240, which I said, absolutely. I said, there's no way I'm going to go an hour and 40 minutes. And then sure enough, it's 240, and I'm like, oh, my God, I've gone an hour and 40 minutes. But it was so, I th- I, like I said, I think this is an interview that even if you're not a hardcore golf fan, You'll love his story, and you'll appreciate him. And I think the thing that I took away most from it is his mentality, which is so important in the game, and just how even-keeled he is and like how he didn't seem to ever get worried throughout this whole process, which was, again, not like a year process. It was a long process. Just really a good guy, an impressive guy, and if you're looking for somebody to pull for at the Masters, you now have somebody, assuming you're not submitting... 150 DraftKings rosters. So he is presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies and our studios for this interview at PGA National Resort. You can check them out at PGAResort.com. That's where the HomeLoanExpert.com studios were for my conversation with St. Louis and Adam Long, now PGA Tour winner. Adam Long, the HomeLoanExpert.com studios at PGA National Resort. Start planning now. You'll be so happy you did. It might even put you in a good mood. I know it does for me. Like when I'm starting to head back from spring training and I'm like, oh, it's got to be another month or two before the weather warms up in St. Louis. What I do is I start planning next year's spring training in March or April uh, in advance. Here is the deal. If you've never done it before, the place to stay is PGA National Resort. You like golf? Great. There are five courses on the property. Five courses on the property. Two driving ranges, all kinds of practice putting greens and uh facilities for your short game not into golf that's fine there are pools all over the place but the pool at the main pool at the resort's like a las vegas caliber pool with cabanas and a great restaurant pool bar it's phenomenal we've loved taking our son up there our one-year-old up there throughout uh, spring training it's been incredibly fun a spa 
Uh, as a matter of fact, Adam and I got done with the interview, and I said, so what do you got going today? And he goes, you know what? Since I knew we were going to be up at PGA, I thought I, I need a massage. I'm going to go get a massage over at the spa. My wife gets massages over at the spa. I've got massages over at the spa. The place is a spa. And then you have about a 10-minute drive, if that, to Roger Dean Stadium where the Cardinals uh, practice and play throughout February and March. I don't know what else you could ask for. It's PGA National Resort online at pgaresort.com. Plan your spring training trip now for next year, and you'll be very happy it did when all of a sudden it's December and you're going, well, yeah, this uh, cold is miserable and we've got four more months of it, but... In about a month and a half, I'll be heading down to Jupiter, Florida for spring training, and I got that to look forward to. Psychologically, which maybe is a theme of this interview, psychologically, that's a good play. Do it now, PGA National Resort. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, is the sponsor of these studios, and he is somebody that when we talk about buying a home or refinancing a home, I don't even have to say it at this point. I'd like to think you just know. You go to thehomeloanexpert.com. You're going to save money, but... I think outside of that being number one, number two, I think people know at this point that the process is going to be handled so well that you you don't even have to to sweat it. It only takes five minutes to get pre-approved, and it's free. And refinancing with paying off credit card debt and shortening the length of your loan and skipping a month or two of payments, no out-of-pocket costs, and getting rid of that risky line of credit, all those things, those are all great positives. You can do it with Ryan Kelly and the Home Loan Expert Dot com team. Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios. And it was those very studios at PGA National Resort where PGA Tour winner Francis Howellgrad, Adam Long, and I talked it over here on the Tim McKernan Show. Adam Long, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. All right. I got to tell you something. I'm so excited to interview because I've gotten into golf nerddom. And I'm so happy for you. And then I told people I was interviewing you, and I've been lucky enough to have senators and cardinals. Mike Schultz, the guest that's running this week, and Dexter Fowler was on a couple weeks ago. And people, I can't wait to hear from Adam Long. They're fired up to hear from you. So look at this. You've gone from guy who's grinding to guy that people can't wait to hear from. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, fresh off of Augusta, too. Not, not, not the Masters. You're on your way, but you were at Augusta playing the last couple of days. Had you played it before? Uh, I have. So I, there's a member there that w- was a Duke alum who invited me after I graduated in 2010 to play. So um, I had gone and played it in November uh, a bunch of years ago, and then I've been to the few Monday practice rounds when I was in college. So I had that, that's been my experience so far, but this was a totally different one. So what was this experience like as a guy who got that? I saw that on your Instagram. As a guy who got the invite to play in the Masters now as you are a tour winner, surreal honestly i mean it was fantastic experience to just i mean to be to be pulling in the gate there um as someone who is going to be playing in the masters to prepare for the masters not to the, the this one day experience of like i just want to soak it all in but this is like i'm here to prepare for a golf tournament like it was just <laughs> a, a, a unbelievable how was it different for you when you actually got out there knowing that you're playing in the Masters opposed to like, I get to play Augusta, you know? Yeah, I think the first time your your eyes are open wide and you just can't believe that you're even there. And I think this time it was like, okay, I'm here. I I, I, I had been there before, so a little bit of the initial shock was, wasn't there this time. But it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty work-like in a lot of ways. I mean, it was, it's still back and forth of like taking in the moment and, and, and imagining yourself playing in the tournament to, uh, to let's, 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 talk strategy and what we need to learn so you're you're fresh off of that you're fresh off of playing the players fresh off of a top 10 finish at bay hill 
and of course what has become in, in talk of actually what might be the shot of the year uh, which I happen to be watching live when it happened at the Desert Classic. So this has been a hell of a two months, but it goes well beyond that. And that's what I want to get into as somebody who has really gotten into the game again. I played poker for 10 years, so I didn't play golf for 10 years. Stupidest thing going. I have no idea. I barely played in my 30s. But uh, now getting around some guys who you know and you've played against in St. Louis, I'm always curious how it started, which I realize is a very generic question, but like I, I'll talk with Skip Berkmeyer, for example. He goes, oh, I was, on, I was on the range at two years old because of his mom. When did you start playing? Were you one of those guys that was out there at two years old, or were you a late bloomer? No, pretty much uh, similar to Skip, I guess, th- uh, mostly through my dad, but um, a lot of the family pl- has played growing up, and but my dad was an avid golfer, still is. Was this in New Orleans or was it in St. Louis? St. Louis, Okay, yeah, this I was, was in St. born Louis. in New Orleans, but we moved to St. Louis when I was like two or three, okay. so... I uh, definitely grew up in St. Louis, and we were members at Whitmore Country Club and lived down the street at Muirfield, and would drive over and spend all day at the golf course. And, uh, I mean, since I can remember, I was playing little junior leagues or camps. or. So you're talking like three or four you were hitting balls, you think? Probably, yeah. I'm sure as soon as I could stand, my dad made sure I could swing a club, <laughs> I think. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I played all the other sports growing up. Uh, hockey stuck the longest, but I played baseball and basketball. But uh, I was definitely a little bit better at golf. Were you winning when you were playing in these junior events or were you just kind of doing it and liked it yeah I won mostly I I, I was pretty pretty competitive I was one of the top guys I don't know if I was the best at any necessarily age level until I was maybe 13 14 15 I I started getting a little bit better but uh yeah I had a lot of the little one day trophies and kept them all in my room and it was a proud proud thing to have but uh uh, I wasn't dominant by any means but uh I I was one of the better ones were you a guy who you know I talk with a few guys who have these sons who they're already playing or daughters for that matter and they're just like he loves to practice loves to be up at the range could chip and putt all day long and just loves it was that you Somewhere in the middle. I mean, I really like to play, and, and I played a lot. I like to play tournaments and tournament golf and um, have that experience. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I would be out there all day necessarily chipping putting, but I, I, even to this day, I really enjoy practicing and trying to get better at, at it. And if I'm at the golf course, I like to try and make sure I'm, I'm getting better and, and not just wasting time. So what do you, when you, when you're, when, what's a practice session look like for you? Like we're doing this interview. This is the week of the Valspar, for the record, for those listening. Um, you're not playing it, but you've played how many events in a row? Yeah, I played, I think, like 10 of the last 11 weeks. Wow. Yeah. So, like, this this off week, what are you doing? What are you doing, first off, personally, socially, uh, and then secondly, what are you doing golf-wise? Yeah, a little bit of catching your breath and right. unpacking. And, and Does your wife go on the road with you these? Yeah, she's been traveling this year. So that's a new thing for us, but uh, it's been awesome. It's been fa- fantastic to have her throughout the week and not just coming in for three or four days and having to go back. So that's been a, a huge benefit. But, um, yeah, catching my breath a little bit, just living a normal life. And she's working today, but we'll we'll hang out and cook at home. And I'm sure we got a lot of chores and things that she's got lined up for us to do around the house. We, <laughs> you sound uh, like a normal dude, man. You're moved, a tour winner. <laughs> <laughs> we just moved into a new place in November, and it's still been piecing things together. But uh, there's, there's plenty to do. But I'll I'll spend a lot of time at, at, at the course practicing. You want a, you want a million dollars in uh in january winning the desert classic and you said your wife's at work <laughs> now, now i know there are not a lot of pga tour winner wives who are also having to make sure that they go to work 
you know what I'm saying? I'm saying this as a compliment. I know it can come off the wrong way, but it's a compliment. I mean, you just won a million. You won 200000 finishing, what, top 10 at Bay Hill. You know, I mean, unless she's like, I don't know what she does. Maybe maybe she's doing something I should know better, but she probably she probably could take it easy if she needed to. <laughs> she does. She's pretty part-time now, so she just works when she's home and uh, has some control of her schedule. She's a nurse anesthetist, so... Um, she works. Oh, so this is a, this is a legitimate operation here. Yeah, exactly. It's intended, but she, yeah. uh, she was she, she might have been the breadwinner up until a few months ago. 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she uh, she she went to school for it at, at WashU in St. Louis. All and right. She, she's uh, you know, she she put a lot of time and effort into the degree and, and she really enjoys it is the big thing. And she she likes having um, her role and she likes having th- um, her purpose, I guess, in a, in a sense and loves to loves to work, loves her job, loves what she does. So um I mean that that's key, and as, as long as she likes that, she's going to go to work, even if she was making you know five bucks an hour. So she's she's uh, she's a hard worker and, and loves to come home and get some work. In. No, that's that's super cool. So winning a million bucks, I'm curious on this. We were kind of BSing about it on our radio show this morning that we were going to get into this. Of that million, like what was it, a million fifty-eight thousand or something? I don't know what it was. I'm sure you do. Million that we'll just call it a million. Like, does your caddy just like you just peel off a hundred? Is that how that works, or is or is he getting a million of the net after taxes? How, where do, how much does Adam Long get to keep of the million? <laughs> well, California was a bad place to win. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so you should have chosen the Honda. That's exactly. So they they took a, a good cut right off the top, but. Uh, what kind of cut are we talking? Like it was immediately like three hundred? Uh, no, it was uh, the state. state initially tax. was like seventy something. Oh, seven. 000. Okay, so yeah. we're starting the state. All right. Yeah, so we'll start there. But um, I mean, the, the so we're ch- down to nine thirty. The, 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 the direct deposit doesn't come till Tuesday, so uh, there's a little bit of a waiting period there. But um, yeah, I mean, everyone has a different contract with their caddies, and I think the a standard is is a, for us. You pay them a base. And everyone's base can be all over, but anywhere from probably fifteen hundred a week to three thousand a week. I don't know. And some guys are just on salary. I'm sure mm-hmm. some of the veterans, but um, and and anywhere in between. So uh, there's that base, and then you pay a percentage of your winnings on top of that. So in addition to, and typically a win is ten percent. That's a win is ten percent. So like if you like finished fiftieth, like when you won what T sixty three at Safeway, you weren't giving ten percent. Right, right. That, okay. I mean everyone has any, any all different kinds of contracts, but anywhere from five to eight percent I'd say is pretty normal. Okay. On so, top of a base, whatever you So your caddy obviously had a lovely afternoon. He was happy. <laughs> he was doing okay. So. What else what else now there's expenses. I saw Pat sure. Prez on Faraday and he's going people don't realize about us on tour is unlike major league baseball or NBA or NFL we have to pay our own expenses to go play these events. Absolutely. So what kind of expenses yeah. are we talking? I mean, that week, I mean, you're paying for your airfare. We came from Hawaii so, yeah. uh, the week before. So, we're, I mean, it's both Emily and I both were flying from Hawaii. And we have uh, we had an Airbnb for the week, a, a house down in La Quinta. And you're paying for that. And obviously any, like, food and uh, any extra stuff on that. Now, now, you do get a courtesy car for the week through the tour. sets it up through the sponsor. And so we had a, a, a nice Ford Explorer for the week to have. So usually you have a rental car on the web.com or or any mm-hmm. other tour, but that is one of the best benefits of the PJ Tour. Is having There's the a car. courtesy car. Having the week. courtesy yeah. whip. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. But, uh, and then, uh, you know, any coaching fees that you have set up with uh, with your coaches or, or deals. And, you know, guys could have anything from, from trainers to um, swing coaches, psychologists, to short game coaches or whatever. And, and 
and depending on on their deals with them, they could be paying them a percentage of your winnings. Too, what, so. what? So what do you? Because there's kind of become a running joke that like you know you go out on the putting green for like especially majors, which you'll be seeing here at Augusta, I'm certain, and it's like a you know like a, a rap posse, you know, <laughs> like there are so many guys. Yeah. What do you have going on? Uh, I keep it pretty simple. I mean, I'll have uh, maybe my my coach Josh Gregory uh, at the time. You know, he's he goes to every single event, and he works with uh, Patrick Reed as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, off and on with him over the last few years and there's about four or five of us he has on on tour so he's pretty busy but um he's in there a lot and my caddy and that's pretty much it okay so you're keeping it small yeah not, not, now that you're a tour owner you're not like oh good i get to hire 10 people i don't see i mean <laughs> i don't see a whole reason to change i mean i pretty much keep doing i mean there's a lot of opportunity to to add and, and do more but now but i don't i mean until there's a real need i don't really see any changes? It's a very Frank Cusimano question. St. Louis name for you. Uh, what was the first or biggest thing you bought once you won? We still haven't. Still honestly. haven't. Still haven't done anything crazy. Um, you know, like I, I kept playing, so I played the next five weeks in a row or something on the West Coast. So we were pretty busy, and um, I mean, we started. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't change anything. Honestly, we're we're pretty normal. We're pretty conservative, yeah. and and uh nothing brash or crazy yet we just got a new house and so we're you know we're still paying off some student loans and i mean there's still plenty that we uh <laughs> we have to pay for it's so. the most grounded tour winner in the history of the pga <laughs> we'll see i'm home for two weeks so <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of temptation yeah. now uh so what's your next what's your next event going to be i'm going to play the valero in san antonio okay and then head to augusta and for the masters and then the rbc heritage at, at hilton head it's very strong all right so uh, let's go back to the the upbringing um you know, I mean, it, it, as you know, the St. Louis deal with high schools, it's so messed up, but it's a real thing. So, like, if you were to say, and I know people who are listening to this in St. Louis will totally relate to it. Anybody outside of St. Louis will be like, why are you guys talking about his high school? Okay, the guy went to Duke, and he's playing on the PGA Tour. They go, oh, MICDS, John Burroughs. I'm a St. Louis U high guy. I know all the little stereotypes about each one. Where did Adam Long go? I went to Francis Howell High School. Yeah, and, and proud of it, I know. Yeah, absolutely. The, <laughs> yeah. the original, not, yeah, not exactly. Central, not North. Not the, the remix. <laughs> this yeah, is the one. Exactly. But, I mean, Francis Howell to Duke to the PGA Tour, not your standard trajectory. So when you go to Francis Howell, are you like, I can't wait to play high school golf. You're kind of like, eh, I don't know. I love hockey, so maybe I'll be a high. What, what were you thinking at age 13, 14? I mean, I, I wanted to play high school golf and had some older friends that were on the Francis Howell golf team that I got, you know, into a little bit and learned a little bit for and knew what to expect. And uh, I wanted to play high school golf. I thought it would be so fun. I'd, I'd play, you'd play so many tournaments, and I was playing a lot of national events at the junior level. I mean, I was traveling all over the country, all through middle school and and into high school and through high school but uh, there's something about having that team atmosphere and a team uh whatever aspect for for golf mm -hmm. you just don't have that very much yeah that's, so, that's that's why people love those team events they right. get to see guys get fired up yeah. exactly and now high school golf doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot as far as uh getting exposure to colleges um especially in missouri i'd say you're going to get the 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 looks from the local level as anywhere from in Missouri, Illinois and bordering states, but you're not going to get the national uh, attention if you win the state championship uh, versus a Florida or California or Texas where it's crazy. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I, it wasn't about that for me. It was just about honestly having a lot of fun and with, with, with my friends at, at high school and seeing how good we could get. Now I truly don't know the answer to this question. Did you win state? I did not. No, I think uh, my best finish was third and had a fifth and, and where would you play? Where would you play the state? 
tournaments uh, we went to Springfield, Missouri. Okay, yeah, that's there's what I thought it was. A few different courses that we played down there. But okay. we had some good teams. I mean, we Sean Jasper was was really good, a little older than me, but mm-hmm. he was a senior and I was a freshman and um, we had a good group of guys that for a long time we were pretty solid. Were there guys when you were in high school that you would look around and go, Man, this guy, he's just at another he's just at another level? Or were you kinda like, I know I can I know I can play with anybody. I'm curious what the mindset is when you're moving up this trajectory towards the tour that's why i asked um a, a little bit i mean certainly on the national level i mean i was playing some tournaments with uh ricky fowler and peter uline and philip francis was a stud then and you know you guys that are are still now killing it mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh and you when know. you would see that like let's let's use ricky because mm-hmm. he's certainly recognizable to everybody who's, who's listening to this when you would see him and still to this day ricky and i are about the same height and build but i mean the dude's a a bomber especially for his size what would he do when you were 14 15 and you go oh my god i can't believe this guy can do this and we're the same tournament yeah he he and uh there's only a few others that i played with at a younger age before we were pros that you just knew he had it like he was just he was different like he he was really confident he was he was definitely sure that he was either going to win or be real close mm-hmm. and um, he had no fear. He was really aggressive, and yeah, he was really polished at a young age. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a, that's that's the thing we were talking about it before we got started. And I'm really curious about this because I think this is such a huge part of the game, and people don't think about it. They think about hours on the range or the putting green, but the psychology and the ability to navigate pressure that comes with the game. Um, was that something you were starting to understand or be coached on, so to speak? at high school in these tournaments or was it something that that you started developing at Duke and, and on the mini tours when did that element of your game come into play I mean it's been a, a slow development since I'm sure I was a kid I think my my dad and the people around me my coaches Brian Fote in St. Louis yeah who I, who I used you know still 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 talk to on a regular basis I mean uh, I think they helped me a lot with that along the way of, of learning how to compete and handle the setbacks and and also uh, appreciate the accomplishments at the same time, and having some goals. and And, uh, and tournament golf is a beast. I mean, it, it'll wear you down, and being able to bounce back from mistakes is huge. And but it's still something I work on all the time. And um, but I, I'd say a turning point overall for me was uh, going to Dr. Bob Rotella's house uh, a few years after I turned pro. I was probably 2013, maybe 14. Mm-hmm. And I went out to his house in Virginia and spent two days. And I'd read some of his books before in college and, and, and all that. But until you're there in that setting with him and spending a lot of time and hours with him, like he really hit home the importance of the sports psychology part of it to, to What succeed. resonated with you that he said, do you recall in 2013 yeah, that mean, really stood out to you, something you took? Yeah, from? I mean, there's kind of, there's, there's two parts to it. I mean, one part would be how you see yourself um, and the bigger scale of of golfers i guess you need to you need to have the confidence that you belong that you love your game um just as much or if not more than everybody else's and having a belief that that you can be a really good player that you're an elite level player and and that's part of it and the other part of it is actually on the golf course and and ways to be mentally prepared going into a round of tournament golf and which is different than going out with your buddies and and kicking yeah. back with a golf cart than, right. than going and teeing it up on a Sunday. And you really need to prepare yourself before you go to the golf course to uh, to, to have a plan to, to succeed mentally. Is, is that like, okay, I know inevitably I'm going to bogey a hole. I might double bogey a hole. And how I don't allow that to then compound into the next hole, is that is that yeah. part of what you're talking about? Are you talking about visualizing the mental layout of the, 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 the 
course and what you want to do on uh, this both. Yeah, it's both. I mean, I think you need to be visualizing and and preparing yourself for um, certain hole locations, the weather conditions, and and there's that certainly that, and there's also um, preparing how you're going to handle bogeying the first four holes in a row or hitting your first tee shot out of bounds or being six under through five, mm-hmm. um, anything in between, and how you you want to know how you would like to respond to those situations. Take me back to the decision to go to Duke. I mean, that's incredible. I you, you can't be you know a, a C student and, and go into Duke, so you, you must have been doing pretty well at the Francis Howell, <laughs> the original. Uh, yeah. What was going on there? I mean, were they recruiting you for golf? Are you like I want to play? I want to play golf, but I can go to Duke, so I'm going to try to get on the team. How does how does that process work? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to to go somewhere in the southeast. For some reason, I always felt comfortable down here in this area, and and uh, I would play golf tournaments, junior tournaments, all throughout. And I would, well, as I was at these tournaments, my dad and I would go check out college campuses and meet the coaches and, and kind of get a feel for what I liked and didn't like big school, small school, all of it. And actually ended up commit verbally committing to university of Florida Oh, and thought that's where I was going to go for a brief moment. And they were at the time still are one of the best golf programs in the country. And, uh, somewhere right before my junior year or during the fall of my junior year of high school, we went one more time to Duke before I really signed anything and got really official with uh, with Florida and went went out to Duke and just put get it, gave it another look and, and saw everybody on the team again and spent the night in the dorms and really got a feel for the whole program and, and the in the campus in general and school and fell in love with it. I mean, I left there like this is this is where I belong. Like mm-hmm. this is comfortable. Like this is awesome. And it was different. I mean, uh, Florida's great and um, I, I'm sure I would have been happy there and and they've got some great teams and great guys, but. It was something different about Duke, and it was like, you know, if you have an opportunity to go to a school like sure. that, I think you need to capitalize. And, and and they weren't as good at golf, but, I mean, we were a top 15 program, so, I mean, they were close. And you were always, every year, a top five guy, were you not, at Duke? Yeah, I didn't qualify for my first event freshman year, but then played throughout, so, after that. So, yeah, I was I was usually in the top one, two, or three. That's, that's not... I mean, it's obviously, once you're a tour guy, you look back, and most of the guys were, but... That's 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 a that's an indication that things are moving in the right direction. I suppose is what I'm laying that premise out. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know how how I'd fit in on, in college golf at the whole level at, at Florida Duke anywhere, and I didn't know if I was good enough. I didn't know how, how what it took or how good these guys were. I mean, I, I had no experience with it and had really no really close friends that have go- had gone to really elite level programs to to show me that what it took. So right. I was kind of on my own, but. Um, had some success quickly. I finished second in my first college event at, at Olympia Fields in Chicago. So that's pretty strong. Yeah, strong and venue that, and strong t- no, showing. Yeah, so that that's really what kicked it off for me. That was like, okay, I can, I can do this. Like, I, I can, I can play. I, I can be on the top five in my golf team first of all, and I can contribute and help out the team. But. Um, and just kept getting a little bit better each year. Yeah, that's. Uh, th- th- I asked you about how you were looking around guys at high school age and going. This guy's really good. Were you thinking that at, when you first stepped on the college campus, the tournament, and going, wow, I am, you know, was there ever that awe moment? Or were you still like, nah, I can I can hang with this? Uh, a little bit of both. I yeah. mean, I, I knew there were some guys, even on my own team, that were, were definitely more polished and more comfortable and, and a, a little bit better than me. But uh, I, I didn't see, like, a huge gap. I didn't see, like, wow, this guy's just way, way better. I have no chance. So... I think that gave me some confidence. And even playing uh, uh, with this side, you know, I played with Dustin Johnson, I think, four or five rounds my freshman year. And 
that was one guy that I was like, I'm in another, like, I have no chance. That, that was the only experience I <laughs> had, it, really. Was it the was distance like, that was standing out? Yeah, all of it. I, yeah. I mean, we played with him at, at our tournament, uh, at the Duke tournament my freshman year, and he was just, I mean, he won that thing by a mile. So, I mean, it was like, he was he was hitting shots in these par fives that <laughs> was a joke. And then, I, like, a few months later, we went and played his event in the spring, uh, the Coastal Carolina event at, at TPC Myrtle Beach. And played with him another 36 holes, and I was like, "Wow, is, that was not a fluke. Like this guy, this guy's the best ever. <laughs> like that's what it seemed like in college." And you know, I've proven it. Uh, Bill Dewitt, uh, both the third uh, and uh, Bill Dewitt Jr., the chairman of the Cardinals. I know you're a big Cardinal fan. I'm looking forward to nerding out on that with you as well, because I saw you were at the spring training game a couple weeks ago. But uh, Bill Dewitt the third played as you did. Uh, and the Seminole, what is it officially called, the pro member or something like exactly. that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get into your pairing in a moment. But he played with uh, Dustin, I guess, two years ago. And I think he played for a couple years in a row with him at that thing. And he said, and Bill's a, a, a very good player. Uh, and I think he played college golf, as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. Yeah, good player. And he can hit the ball. You know, he goes, yeah, I can get into one. I can, I can go 300. And I go, God bless America. And I go, so what was the difference between you and, and Dustin? He goes, well, he missed a short putt on a par three before a par five. And he was so upset with himself that he just laid into it and so helped me. It was 75 yards ahead of mine. And he goes, I just couldn't believe it. Like, your guy's ability to hit the ball as far as you do. Now, some of the old school guys will go, well, it's the equipment. But there's also the track man, which I realize is equipment that allows you to optimize your swing and then working out and eating properly and, and some guys into yoga and so on for, for making sure that they're flexible. The ability to bomb the ball. When did you start getting getting that? You know, or was it was it a different level than than your peers? Yeah, I mean I was never I've never been a bomber necessarily, but I feel like I've always kind of maxed out my my yardage to an extent where I, I feel like pound for pound if you'd say yeah. like, like for, I, I hit I hit it enough I hit it pretty good I, it's a little bit longer than average I'd say um on the PJ tour and what probably. is do you have any idea what your average is well I mean we just got done with the west coast so the ball doesn't go anywhere but, <laughs> <laughs> but no I mean I, it's 300 I mean yeah. I think I, I I'm comfortable carrying it you know at least 280 in the air 285 and then depending on what kind of role you're going to get we'll see but um which is pretty average and I, I feel like I you know I'm in a typical threesome I'm somewhere in the middle maybe a touch longer than than normal but or average but um, never been a huge bomber the ball and those guys are in a in a whole nother league but guys like du- Dustin it's it, there's there's probably a crop of them of of 10 to 15 maybe guys or you're like they just bomb it and I don't know who's longer than who and played with Cameron Champ yeah I was, about, I was about to ask you about yeah, Cameron Champ I, I don't know I mean if you lined them all up and they hit 100 balls I think that's the only way to really figure it right. out because it's any given day or certain conditions that help certain guys but they're in a whole nother class and then after that there's a there's a big uh there's not much that separates guy the number 30th in distance to number 80 in right distance but there is that class yeah. yeah so like but I think people would automatically assume well it's the bigger guys Dustin's a big guy Kapka's a big guy but I mean look at look at Rory mm-hmm. you know look at I mean it's it's not necessarily that so what not that you're going to be able to sit here and lay out for me and the listeners how to hit the ball far but like what are the things that you worked on in order to be able to hit the ball like you're kind of you're not downplaying 300 yards, but you're like, yeah, it's nothing in comparison to these guys. What What is it? I mean, is it 
understanding angles on attacking the ball, or is it truly lifting? Because people are kind of like giving Rory trouble when he was deadlifting 400 pounds. You yeah. know, so I think what it's is all of it combined? I think it's it's maxing out your your uh, your the, the technology that you, is to our um, that we can use is the track man and the golf ball and, and getting the right setting on your driver and and getting the right shaft in your driver. I think that's big, especially for guys that just have natural speed. Um, but I've, I've never spent time on trying to get longer. I've never, never worked on trying to gain 10 yards. Really? I, never, I, I, ever. I've, I've never tried to, to, to find that extra five yards or 10 yards. So um, probably not the best person to ask. I, you know, I, I think there's, I, I just know that I'm never going to be a, a huge bomber. And I think I need to, I've been more of a guy that's pretty good at everything. And so I just try to work on all parts of my game instead of, you know, focusing just on the distance. I mean, now I'm I'm an old guy now at 31. You know, I don't know <laughs> um, if maybe it's a it's a I'll need to start figuring that out if I find myself getting shorter and shorter. But um, staying healthy and, and doing some doing the workouts and, and trying to gain for me, gaining some some weight in the off season and and some muscle in the right spots. But, um, you know, I've, it's just never been a focus for me. What, what is your workout regimen? I'm curious on this, legitimately curious. Like, because I know there's a place, like, right around where we are. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, like the gym. where they, It might be where you go. I don't know. Yeah, yeah there's the Joey D's. That's what it is. One, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I started doing a lot of work with Jeff Pelizzaro in St. Louis. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've so, talked with Jeff. Yeah, a handful of years ago. And, um you know, it got me in the right track and got me figure out what I need to work on. And so, um, so these are golf specific workouts or are these? Yes and no. Yeah. I think, uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit of full body stuff. I think he's, especially Jeff, but a lot of the best trainers I think are understand that it's not just about being, having just good golf muscles. I mean, it's, it's about being overall healthy and that that's, that's where I get the most confidence in, in knowing that I'm doing, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm strong, I'm fit. And um, I've never been one to just focus on just the golf muscles. I think it's, you're going to get a little lopsided and, mm -hmm. um, I don't think that's the right way for me, but, um, yeah, I, I don't do a whole lot. Honestly, I, I'm not a huge workout guy, but, um, I try to just make sure I'm doing enough to, to stay at it. And, uh, especially through the season, it's really hard because you're traveling so much, yeah. and, um, but you do need to make it a priority as much as you can. Yoga in that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I won't go do an hour yoga class. I've been doing but, them the uh, last few days. That hot yoga. I yeah, love it. I mean, maybe I'm embarrassing I the hell out of myself in there, but I'm doing it. <laughs> I should. I've, I've just, I've always been pretty flexible. And yeah. but I, I, I have tell, been able to tell in the last couple of years, like I used to be able to just jump out of a car and tee off. And now it's been like, oh, give me like, I need to stretch a little bit. I mean, like, I mean, not that I'm super old, but it's definitely a difference between 31 and 21. There is, man. I understand what you're talking about. What about eating? Are you careful on, on that? Or are you just kind of like, oh, I'm, in, I'm doing just fine? Because what are you like, 5, 11, a buck, 75, buck 80? Am I? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, 160. 160? 510, Oh my God, yeah. really? Yeah. So I, it's. I'm uh, 163, and you got me by a couple inches. <laughs> man, how about this? I, uh, I don't know. I, I eat okay, pretty good. I, I don't. I but you don't, don't monitor. Don't, You're not like okay. I no. got to make sure I have 100. And, I, I weigh 160, so I got to have 160 grams of protein. You're not no, my I, fitness I'm, paling or anything no, like that. No, I'm just, You're not doing whatever the hell it is that Kepka's doing on that bench press video that he posted before no. his round. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, but I, you know, I'm pretty conscious about it, and I, I don't put a whole lot of junk into my body. But um, I'm also, I'm not obsessed about Some it. Some good restaurants down here. A lot of good restaurants down here. Favorite restaurant down here? Go. I need to know. Utiki and Utiki strong. Yeah. Utiki strong. I feel like Square Grouper is kind of like a tour hangout. Am I right on that? It can be. Yeah, yeah. it can be. There, there's a, there's a three or four of them around here that uh, you're you're due to run into 
either some some Cardinals players right now in spring training right. or, or some tour golfers for sure. Juno Beach Cafe. Yeah, for sure. Uncle Eddie's pancakes. Only spot. time I ever will eat pancakes <laughs> is when I'm down here for spring training. There's some great spots yeah. here for sure. Oh man, uh, yeah. So the people people always ask me, I'm coming down to spring training. What are some recommendations? You have the official tour recommendation mm-hmm. uh, 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 there. You were at the Cardinal spring training uh, a couple weeks ago. They had you down on the field. Um, that had to be pretty cool. You and Dexter, I saw a picture. Dexter's super into golf. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he golfed. We've been, Dexter and I have been golf nerding out on some things. He played Bears Club last week. Uh, but, I mean, for you, I would imagine the thrill was being around the Cardinals, whereas for some of the Cardinals who are into golf, they're like, oh, my God, here's Adam Long, the, the guy who won the Desert Classic. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was neat. I mean, I, uh, I've always been a big Cardinals fan. Grew up going to all the games at Bush, and uh, – and then to be down here in spring training every year, it's awesome. It just goes by too fast because I'm traveling a lot in February, March. Yeah. And it's right when they're down here. And I, but So that, that's the only experience I've had so far this year. But I've, I typically go to anywhere from two to five games a, a spring training, and it's awesome to see them up that close. I mean, there's not a bad seat in the house. Yeah. And you can just see it, even if they're only out there for a few at-bats or something. But you, you just feel a little closer to the action than, than being at a big major league stadium. But, yeah, it was the week of the Honda here in town and uh the pj tour reached out and knew that i was a cardinals fan and and had me and adam shank as another player in our, right our, my i wife tweet with him. him and i don't know how or why he he follows me and i'll like wind up tweeting with him uh, and i'm like the oh, yeah he's, he's like a great guy great, yeah he's a purdue guy but he's not from st louis yeah indiana he just i, I don't know why the hell he's family. following me i mean it's great <laughs> <laughs> he's got some, some family uh ties there to st louis but uh I think he has some family that lives in St. Louis. All right. So always Maybe that's a, what it he, is. Yeah, he's, he's known to wear some Cardinals belts on the golf yeah. course. So, uh, yeah, he's a he's a groupie. But, yeah, so the four of us, his fiance and my wife and, and we and Adam and I went down and went on the field and watched him uh, hit batting practice and, and check that out, which is it's pretty cool when you're on the on the field at their level. And, and first of all, you realize how you think of, like, how big they are, which I made a joke with Dexter that I feel like people that go to golf tournaments are like, ah, there's not that big. Right, like right. you gotta like, yeah, Tiger's, I mean, he's big, but he's not, right. he's not huge. I know. And then, uh, and it's like almost the opposite when you go to some other, like, I mean, I went to a Duke basketball game a few weeks ago and it's like, these guys are just enormous. Yeah. And I think it's the opposite when people go to golf tournaments. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so that was pretty cool to see them, you know, life size up close. And, and, uh, I had met Dexter before at, at the course I play here in town. It's the Die Preserve. And, uh, he was invited out and, and played, uh, last winter. Okay. So I, I saw him hit some balls in the range and, and talked with him a little bit. And he's got some work to do on that golf. Swing, oh, but, there uh, it is. Nice. We, I like that. This. <laughs> he knows that. Uh, you know, he, oh, but he's he so into I was supposed to play it. with uh, him, Edmonds, and Dan McLaughlin last week. Uh, and then I wound up having to work, unfortunately. So it just wound up being the three of them. And uh, he loves to play. I mean, he yeah. is super. Yeah, he he's got a simulator he, in his house. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's really. He, I think he played with Clay Thompson up at the Floridian oh, okay. uh, when I saw him the day that Dabo Swinney was taken. I don't know if you saw that. The Dabo yeah. Swinney took BP yeah. uh, with him. And I go, how's it going? I go, they gave me a set of clubs. And he goes, all the same length. What do you think? All the same length. I go, man, I'm not the person. Asked. You're shaking your head. You're not on board with that. <laughs> I, just, I feel like it's something if you grew up with or something or you're trying to figure out. It's hard to go from normal length clubs that are different to all the same it'd be, yeah. it'd be tough i was uh i've played a lot with edmonds this spring and uh and i guess him and dexter both have the same thing like they'll have a good hole and then they're feeling it. i can tell they're feeling it. i'm happy because the moment they don't feel it it kind of like knocks the round off track i'm sure you've been around plenty of that and um and then he'll yank one ob and then he just goes on tilt and i'm like dude you're a borderline hall of fame baseball player you know you're probably a 
13 handicap, everything's cool. But you can't. He goes, I don't know what I'm doing. But I know that's not him asking me to give my opinion, you know, on what what to do. What would you say when you're playing with somebody who's getting frustrated? First off, you guys look at the average golfer and, and you know, and have to be like, yeah, it's just not happening. And you probably don't even think anything of it, you know, when you're playing with an amateur. But if you're talking to an amateur right now who might be like, how can I possibly get decent? Like I'm talking maybe single digit. Is there anything that you would say to the amateur golfer that like spend more time around the green as opposed to like hitting driver at the driving? What would you say? Yeah. Are you asking for a friend or yourself? Here? Uh, oh, my God. Now I got him taking shots at me and follower in the same no, segment. Just, you know, <laughs> who, who am I talking to? <laughs> You're talking to me. I'll be honest. <laughs> That's what this is all about. <laughs> this whole thing is a ruse. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think. First of all, you got to get know that you can get a club and play. Like if it if it's not if your driver starts going off and you just feel like you can't hit driver in the fairway, then keep it in the bag and pull out a hybrid or yeah. or a four iron and and it's really hard to do and nobody listening will probably do it, <laughs> but it, you have to have the the discipline to say, all right, I don't have it with the driver right now. How can I score? And I think people try to keep forcing that driver and they, they just do. It, and it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. And, and uh, unless it's wide open where there's no trouble, it's just, it's not worth it. You'd rather, even on a par four, if it takes you three to get to the green, you're going to make five, fine. Don't make eight. And uh, and I think that's that's crucial for one. And for two, it's always around the greens. You just see so many wasted shots, and, and especially in like pro-ams or playing with amateurs in general, that if, if they could just get the ball on the green from 20 yards, They'd be fine, right? But they 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 duff it, they skull it, they shank it, whatever. They take two or three to get out of a bunker, and if they can just and not try to hit the perfect shot, but if they can just hit it to 15 feet and two putt, yeah, it'd be much better absolutely. off. Absolutely. And, and I think uh, over the course of a round, you're going to save yourself with those two things of just if just getting the ball in the green and not trying to hit it even at the flag sometimes and aiming at the middle of the green every time, uh, you'd save you know, five or six shots around, easy. We're both uh, friends with Michael Wellington. I've played with Wellington a good amount since I've been down here too. And one of the things that, you know, and it's not like it's for you, it's like, yeah, this is chapter one, man. Not really that impressive. But he goes, look at the look at the green and look at where there's trouble and then make sure you take that part out of play. If you can, a lot of people will attempt to and not be able to move the ball mm -hmm. over there. But there's mm -hmm. so much of that to think. And so now thinking that way, I've noticed has helped. And then I've been working with, I'm curious if you know this name, Warren Botke. You don't know the name? No. So he was Kepka's guy from like oh, age 11 yeah. through 24. Uh, okay. Yeah, I do know. And Mike Claiborne, St. Louis name, uh, who you may know from KMOX and the Cardinal Broadcast, I played the, uh, the champion course where you guys had the Honda like two days after the conclusion of the event, and I had 41 putts. 41 putts. <laughs> Look at you trying to keep a straight face. It's too many. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, so 41, but like I was playing with Edmonds and we got done with number nine. I go and I keep everything in golf logic. It's just like a total hideous nerd, you know? And I looked, I go, oh my God, I had four three putts on the front. This is a problem. Obviously those greens were quite firm yeah. uh, when you boys Very, were out there, yeah. but, but either way, it still doesn't justify 41 putts. And I saw Claiborne, I said, I, it's time. I have to see somebody. And he put me with Warren. And I'm like, okay, Warren Claiborne knows him. He probably only works with, you know, the the constituents around here who tend to be a little older. He's going to be impressed by what I bring to the table. Yeah. And, you know, five minutes in, he goes, yeah, I almost came up to St. Louis uh, for the PGA Championship on the day of, but I couldn't get a flight that was less than 1500 bucks. I'm like, okay, dude, why are you, you know, why would you even think about that? And he goes, but when Brooks said what he said, 
because I got teary and I go, what is this guy talking about, you know? And he goes, here, you wanna see the video? And I go, sure. And so when Brooks won the Wanamaker, he actually thanked Warren because he's a PGA pro and then he explained that he had been working out, now Brooks is working with what Claude Harmon, I think, but that he had worked with Warren Botke from 11 to 24 and here I am thinking he's gonna be impressed by my swing and he's been working with yeah, right. <laughs> guys probably got to you. So yeah, he yeah. probably, here's a nine iron, 125 yards. <laughs> I hope you're fascinated by that. Right. But the thing that I loved about him, Adam, is that he, usually I feel like guys go, here, grab your seven iron, let me see your swing. Right. And he goes, okay, show me your, show me your pitching. You know, here's 10, here's 20, here's 30. Let's see that. I want to see that. And that's what he focused. And I feel like that's how you unpack it as an amateur and spend time on that as opposed to just like, let me take out my, eventually after 10 swings with like a nine iron, I'm going to go just enjoy my driver and mm -hmm. hit 25 balls that way. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it's, it's scoring is all about wedges, short game and putting. So even even the best players in the world, they're not always going to have the best with their full swing. It kind of comes and goes. It can be day to day. It can be even in the same day. It can be in the same round or week to week. But you, you, there's just no guarantee that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and have full control over my full swing. And that's what keeps me awake at night. But at the <laughs> same time, if you have the confidence in your short game and putting and chipping, which doesn't matter how old you are, how big you are, how strong you are, like like uh, Brooks has no advantage of me physically with a putter. Mm -hmm. Like there's no reason why he should be a better putter than me other than he's worked at it better, right? Mm -hmm. And and that you can go same with uh, chipping and putting and, and uh, wedge game and bunkers. And I think that that's where you can really gain some ground. And uh, it, it's all about how you practice it as well. I mean, it's, it's not about just about spending the time, but knowing the right ways to practice it in ways that you're challenging yourself. And, and those are the things that, that I do on a day-to-day -day basis that are, it's constant little games with myself and constant, you know, trying to stretch what I can do. And, and give me an example. This is for me. I am legit. Once you have a 41 putt round, you need to have a conversation well, okay, with so yourself. 41 putts. If, if, if you had perfect speed every time, say if you got that, the, the ball, no more than two feet past the hole on, mm -hmm. on all of your first attempts, you would never have 41. Absolutely putts. not. So I'd say right away when somebody says they have 41 putts, I'm thinking that they're probably hitting it 10 feet by the next one's like four feet short. And it's just kind of all over. So the you place. watch my round. You watch me <laughs> go around. No, but I can. I have an idea. That yeah. Typically, how it goes, especially um, from 20, 30, 40 feet, is having the the control of your speed is yeah. the number one thing. And so, when you go to a golf course, it, everyone goes to the range and hits balls, and then maybe hits a putt or two if there's a weight on the tee. But for the most part, they go from the range to the tee, and they skip that part of putting, and they go ahead and three putt their first three greens, and all of a sudden they're four over. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Well. Had you two putted those, and even if you made bogeys, okay, but you can turn a lot of big numbers into bogeys, pars, doubles versus seven, eights, nine. That's so huge, and it's exactly what it was. And I guess I, I was texting. I've played with Skip. I know you've played with Skip, Burke Myers, who we're talking about. And he goes, I just noticed your swing is super long. He goes, and so he showed me some videos, and he said, watch facts and watch this facts in YouTube video. What is your putting style? And you said you had some putting games that you play with yourself. I'm curious. Because I was watching video, you hit a putt, uh, I guess, was it It was with the players just this past weekend, actually, like a 25-footer on 17, if I'm not mistaken, something like the 15-footer, 25-footer. And I was like, is he left-hand low? Are you left-hand low guy? No, I'm right. I've always been I cannot putt left-hand low. I was left-hand low, and then Warren, I said, can you watch my putting stroke? And he goes, okay, what's up with the left-hand low? He goes, because your shoulders are automatically pointing to the right of the target. And if you got 41 putts, I'm not going to unpack something that's working anyway. So right. he goes, go conventional. Yeah. So I went conventional. You're conventional guy? Always have yeah. been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think Brian Fote probably 
gave me a way to hold the putter when I was nine or ten years old, probably. And I, I for, as far as I know, that's I still putt the same way, the same grip of this putter. You so. don't you don't messing with the pencil grip very, or no? I'm not. Like very I was watching finicky. Woodland putt the week of the the Honda, and I'm like, he's yeah, like, he's like holding it with his palms. Oh there's man, all there's kinds all yeah. Ollie Schneider James is doing some stuff. And I, it's a lot. It, there's a lot of things out there, and I think it's uh, it, it's a quick fix for some people where. They can blame it on their grip, maybe, and they say this will work, and it's kind of more psychological, psychological than it is actually physical. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I do a little bit of stroke work every day. Um, have I think it's big to have some sort of training aid that you like. It doesn't matter what it is. Honestly. The Dave Pell's two ball thing. Sure, that's a great one. Okay, and uh, there's a lot of them though, that you can have a mirror or some sort of eyeline thing. But you can use some tees. I mean, there's a lot. Of, as long as you're spending five to ten minutes a day before a round or before even while you're practicing of just making sure your strokes in order and and then you move on to some drills and some games of, of trying to make putts or having some speed drills um, I mean I do a lot of work every week at, at a tournament for example of getting the speed down which is it's huge because mm -hmm. you know each week can be different at different grasses and, and green speeds but um, I mean one for example a classic one that you know a lot of people do is you put a club or alignment rod or anything behind the hole maybe it's called two and a half feet behind the hole something reasonable and you put a ball down at 10 feet 15 feet 20 feet 25 feet all as far as you want to go mm -hmm. and you try to get them all in between the hole and that stick behind and you maybe you start over you can do all you can keep score you can come up with your own way all right but, um getting yourself to do a few uphill ones a few downhill ones uh, especially from that 10 to 30 foot foot range. I mean, that's where you really got to be. That's where right. most of your putts come from. Right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. That's huge. I like that. Yeah, the, the, the putting drills. That's what I was asking Skip. I said, I just, I can't figure it out. And he said, shorten your stroke and here are a couple drills. And I'm like, oh, it's such a huge part yeah, of the it's game. A, it's effective practice. I mean, yeah. it's having some, so you leave the putting green thinking like, okay, I think I, I got better today. Mm -hmm. It's not, if you take three balls out there and you're putting around to random holes and you know, you make a few, right. a few you have no plan. You don't really, you walk away and you're like, well, I putted for 20 minutes, but I don't, I can't really verify that. Exactly. I better, That's but, such a huge part. But if you have these games and you're keeping score, you can really quantify your practice a little bit. Couldn't agree with you more. When, when you're practicing, what, what is your modus operandi like on a daily like today for example will you practice or are you like week off means week off i am not touching my clubs i don't like taking more than like one maybe two days off yeah. I, I get a little uneasy i guess both uh, mentally but i also feel like i i i'm one of those guys that needs to keep keep it fresh mm -hmm. and if i take three four five six days off I, I i have to start for all from scratch yeah and uh so i'll take today off i just got back from georgia these last two days so and, and playing the players and, and beforehand. So uh, I'll take it today off, which is nice. It's nice to relax and kind of catch my breath, but tomorrow I'll get back after it. And I, I spend, a, you know, three to four hours a day at the course and it's, it's pretty, uh, it's fairly intense. I mean, I'm pretty busy while I'm there. And are you uh, by yourself or are you with somebody? I typically go by myself. I like I like being by myself, and I, I feel like I get the most done. Do you go listening to music, or you I don't? You don't. No. If 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 anything, if it's feeling a little stale, I'll play some music on my phone, but not no I earbuds. Have earbuds. Or anything. Yeah. I want to be able to hear everything, and because that's how you're playing. Yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's wanna, my thought process. I don't want to well. get too far away from that. Yeah. But I, some guys do, and they love it, and it works for them, and and that's fine. But for me, it doesn't work. Hope you're enjoying the conversation here with Adam Long on the Tim McKernan Show. Uh, Adam Long on Twitter at ALongShot. Follow him and uh, somebody to pull for certainly during the Masters as you continue to hear his story. And all of the story is presented to you by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna 
is the gentleman's name. Evergreen Wealth Strategies is the name of the company. The phone number is 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. With Mark, what you're going to find is, and now that he's popping up on TMA and people text in live while he's on, uh, they're like, yeah, I've, I've heard about him, or I know him, or I knew him growing up. He, he really is just a really good guy. And that's the thing about him, I think, that stands out to me most is just he's so sincere, and he really does want to help people, and he knows how important it is to get organized financially and then set your goals and then be able to have a plan. And it's not like it's like, oh, my God, i got to set aside half my paycheck to do this. That's not the way that it is. It just kind of becomes something that, yeah, it's going to, it's just, we're getting on the right track. And you just feel better once you have a plan in place. That's what he can do for you. Plus, you know, he's just so good and so sincere that you're going to feel good about it afterwards after you give him a call. Do so at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Our guest presenting sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. And our guest, Adam Long. So I want to go back to the 18, 19, 20, 21 and reading on uh, up on you before we did the interview, I think it was uh, the article John Feinstein wrote, if I'm not mistaken, uh, about your win at the Desert Classic and how your coach at Duke sat you down and communicated to you that you actually could make a living on the PGA Tour. If anything, I would imagine a lot of college coaches have to have the other conversation, which is, listen... Mm-hmm. You're a great guy. Love having you on the team, but it's probably in your best interest to maybe pursue something else. You got the good conversation that so many want to hear. Can you take me back to that? And, and and were you thinking the same thing he was thinking at the time, or were you like, "Oh my God, this guy thinks I can play on the tour. This is this is getting real." Yeah, I'd never really. I mean, it's been a dream of mine to play in the PGA Tour, but it always seemed kind of far away. Honestly, I, it kind of felt like. That would just be like unrealistic. It's like saying a kid saying they're going to be president when they grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just like, yeah, okay, sure. But it, it was almost like I, I was almost too realistic. Maybe I mean, I was, I, I I wanted to. It would be great. It sounded good. Um, I was a big Tiger fan growing up, and it was cool. It was golf was really becoming cool mm-hmm. in those years. So I really wanted to, but I didn't know what if I was good enough, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to let myself down by like thinking too far ahead. So I I wanted to be a really good college player, and then I, I always felt like. Then I'll decide when I'm a senior. I'll know yeah. more than when I'm a sophomore. But yeah, the, I played for three head coaches at Duke. So my second coach, uh, Odie Vincent, mm-hmm. sat us all down in the winter. Um, I was in my sophomore season and uh, during the break, and and talked about all kinds of different things. But then he said, also said, what are your what are your intentions with golf? Do you want to play professionally? Or there were a lot of my friends on the golf team at Duke who had no intention of turning pro. They we're going to use their Duke education and their connections sure. and all that to go in the corporate world and go live in New York city and, and do great. And that was, that was fine. That was their plan. And, and I was kind of somewhere in the middle. I was like, ah, that, I don't know that doesn't sound what like What were me. you thinking? What was your plan B non golf? Uh, never plan. <laughs> God bless. And, uh, <laughs> never, I never had a strong plan. A really, I was li- literally living day to day and pretty in the moment with, I mean, Duke keeps you pretty on top of your schoolwork. I like to have fun. I would go out on the weekends and, and do that but and also golf was a huge priority so and, and duke basketball so there's yeah. a lot to a lot to do while you're at school to like if you're thinking three four years in advance what really, years were you there 
uh, 06 to 2010. Uh, okay. So you saw a national championship. Yeah. It's, yeah my senior year, they yeah. finally won yeah. one. But, yeah, uh, they finally won one. There's a guy who went to Missouri. <laughs> oh, it was, it it's like, brutal. oh, we finally got to the Elite Eight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, like the coach sat me down and said, uh, and, and someone who I really re- respected, he had, he had been – he had coached a lot of players on on tour now, and Kevin Chapel and, and and others that have done, gone on to mm-hmm. do really well. And and he said, I've seen a lot of the. Be- he played professionally himself. He's he knows he's been in those circles. And he said, I know you've got the game to do it. And if you keep improving and you're heading the right direction, I know you could make a living. You can have a strong career playing professional golf. And I I left there like wow, and went home that night and really thought about it some more. And I, I was like, that's. I can do it. And it gave me the confidence maybe that I didn't necessarily have in myself. It's a pretty defining moment. Yeah, it it really was. And from then on, I paid more attention to it. I kept in touch with some of the alums that were going out and on the mini tours and, and some other friends of mine that are a little older, Sean Jasper, John Kelly, Mm -hmm. guys like that. And who were experiencing pro golf for the first time. And I, I learned a lot. And uh, so I was a little bit more prepared when I graduated. So what people don't realize, I'm sure the people around the game do is, you know, Wow, this rookie won a PGA Tour event, but we were just talking about your senior year's 2010. You won in January 2019. I mean, there's some time in there, yeah. and I'm legitimately curious mm-hmm. because the grind of I don't know what the right minor league. I don't even know what the, what you guys call it. The mini tours, the grind, like like Wellington. We were talking about Wellington. He was caddying for Nagel. You know, after Nagel did some great stuff at Shinnecock last year and when Wellington started caddying for him and he's like we're driving from place to place and he's trying to get in the top you know 25 on the money list and get his tour card and you know it's it's so not glamorous yes you're playing professional golf but you're not playing PGA tour golf but you're you got a degree from Duke you know I mean you're in a different spot than I would imagine a lot of these other guys are and even though you might not be sure what you want to do with the degree from Duke you can do something pretty damn good, I would imagine, too, because of that. And you got to be a sharp guy to have a degree from Duke. So take me back to the mini tour days and what that was actually like, you know, because the, the story doesn't just take us to La Quinta in January. Right. I mean, there's a lot in between. Yeah, there's a, a heck of a lot. Um, it was awesome. Honestly, it's been an awesome journey, and it's still it's continuing. What a healthy perspective. See, that's why you're good. See, I, I would have I sat here and bitched about it. That's what I would have done. You're like, it's awesome. No, I was it, broke, it, and it, it was awesome. It's some of the best times that I'll ever have, yeah. honestly. Um, I, I just visited with an old college teammate of mine, but Clark Clawson, um, he came up to the players and, and had dinner with them, and you just remember all those good times we had living in our, or not living in our cars, but traveling, driving week to week on the e-golf tour, the Hooters tour, and uh, doing some Monday qualifiers. And I mean, we, we, we did it all. And uh, it, it's, you, it's kind of a band of brothers in a sense. And um, became friends with people you didn't think you'd be friends with from other colleges and ACC rivals and SEC teams. And it, it just became a cool uh, niche of guys that you uh, end up traveling with and went to a trip in Morocco with the e-golf tour for two weeks. And there's a hundred of us that went over there and we left there all really good friends. I mean, it was yeah. pretty cool. And, uh, and we're all having the same goal and we're all competing. And, and I had success on those tours too, which, which helps with your, I mean, overall comfortable, but your confidence as well. Like you're, you're going in the right direction and, uh, qualified for the U S open. Yeah. In, in 2011. Right. Yeah, and, and missed the cut, but like, uh, did that and went, got status on the, on the web.com tour in 2012 and played a whole season on that tour. Lost my status, but, 
uh, things were kind of going in the right direction. I was kept having some highlights and, and, and some ways to, or, or kept learning a little bit more and getting a little bit better. Um, played in Latin America and Canada for the, in the same year of 2014, I guess it was. Um, played both of those tours, like about 20 events mm -hmm. in, in each. Or I guess Canada was maybe like, I, I probably played 12 or 13 events in each Canada and Latin America. And, and those tours kind of feed into the web.com tour. But um, awesome experiences traveling around on those tours. I mean, some of the craziest places in Latin America, yeah. some crazy I travel can't imagine stories. Like. <laughs> some were better than others, but not glamorous, but pretty fun. Yeah. And, and those tours are run by the PGA Tour. They're just third tier tour, I guess. And um, But, you know, I had some success there too. And, um, you know, things were going in the right direction. And then finally got my web.com tour card again for the 2015 season and was on the web.com tour the last four straight years. And so, and each year I got a little bit better on the web.com tour, which yes, is the minor leagues. It's, it's triple a, I mean, it's pretty damn close. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's hardly a mini tour. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's some sick players yeah, on the uh, web it's, it's and they, and it seems like every year I feel like somebody go, who was on the web the year before wins a tour. Event. Yeah. I mean, there's been three this year. I mean, I'm one of three that played the web last year that won already this year. Yeah. So it, it, and that's been the case the last few years. So it's, it's definitely strong, competitive, and uh, you know it's treated just like the PGA Tour. It's not um, as big a scale, but it's pretty similar. And uh, you know, I had some success each year, and almost got my tour card either in the regular season or the finals. And and so things were kind of trending the whole time. I mean, there were some low points, sure. There was a lot of disappointment and miscuts, and and I lost my status one year. But like for the most part, it was. Uh, it, things were pretty much moving in the right direction. So that, that's what kept me going. So I, I kind of figured this question would lead to the inevitable, did you think about giving up? Like like Nagel's story last year with Shinnecock was he was getting ready to shut it down and he just happened to already be registered for this qualifier and then he went on his run. My sense now in your answer is you weren't close to shutting it down at all. No, I mean, if anything, it took me a year or two to, to get comfortable with... Uh, being out on my own and having the attention of family and friends and everybody knowing you how you're what you shot each day or how you how you did at work right yeah. like they, they knew what i did uh -huh. and i would get messages or calls and that's what people wanted to talk about and it was a little weird at first and i've gotten it's still kind of weird but it, i've gotten used to it a little bit more but um there's some there's some low points sure but i was never never questioning that I was good enough or that I could, I don't know, I didn't know that I, I wouldn't sit there and say in 2011 that I'd win on the PGA Tour, but I knew that I, I was on the right path and I could get there if I kept going. Now I hear that now I think part of your success is the fact that you just always believed that you belonged, which I would imagine is a huge part of it. But for you, it seems like it's just kind of always been there yeah I mean I've always been you know at, at each level from junior golf all through college and pro golf I've always been I, I always considered myself I guess one of the better players but never necessarily was the best and uh, never felt like I was the best but I always felt like I was I was pretty good and and I wanted to uh, see how good I could get and and as long as I felt like I was getting better each season or each year, I was going to keep going, and that's still how I feel. I was in the C flight at the Westboro member guest, mm, and I nice. felt like I should have been in the B flight, and it got in my kitchen, you know? <laughs> and here you are, and you're just fine. I just don't understand it. We're in two different worlds here. <laughs> <laughs> so you get your you get your PGA Tour card. There's so many stories. Like, there's famous little video clips, like the guy who won here a couple weeks ago, Keith Mitchell, and yeah. the, 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 the horrible story about how he could have made it, but he didn't. Yeah. 
what's your moment like when you get your tour card? Oh man, it was it was relief. I mean, I I, I was close pretty much all summer. And in, in the years prior, I was like around the top twenty five come June, and and then I'd kind of taper off July and August. I would miss some cuts that were you know, and I wouldn't have any more high finishes towards the end of the year. And last summer, I was able to keep keep the pedal down mm-hmm. and kept kept having enough finishes. I didn't win, but I was I was around. I was making enough money to stay in the top 25 or right on the edge and but until it's over it's not over yeah. so um in uh, in kansas city was a tough one for me it was the third to last week or third to last tournament and i was probably 20th on the money list so you still got some work to do but i finished uh i, I missed a short par putt on 16 and finished or missed a short birdie putt on 16 and finished bogey bogey to drop from a potential fifth or sixth place finish to like 15th and i left there really disappointed and because uh, I, I maybe lost one or two spots on the money list, but like, man, it's not over. I, I could have just closed the deal and I didn't. And that, if anything, though, it fired me up to get it done the next week for sure. And so I went out to California to Stonebray and uh, Oakland area and finished fourth. And that was it. I, that sealed the deal for me. And that's there was still one more regular season event, le- event left, but I had acquired enough money that no matter what happened next you week, were no matter who you won or whatever, it was in. It was what's that feeling in. like? What's that? You're talking with your parents, you're talking with your friends. I mean, what's, what's that? Was, what's that? It like? was relief for me. I mean, it, more than the excitement of like, here we like, like excited for the PJ tour card. It was relief that I finally did it. Like this was my fifth year on the web. I'd been close the last, you know, three or four years in a row. And so this was, this was it. I finally did it. And it was like, thank you that I don't, I, I know that I'm not going to come up short right. this time. Oh, I, I I hear you tell these stories now. It's becoming clear why you've been successful. Although for you, you're just telling your story, like you have that bad experience with the bogey, bogey, and then I'm sure you're on tilt over it. But as opposed to carrying it over to the next week, you're like, I'm gonna lock in here and have success. And it's funny that you mentioned this because I was texting with you, whenever it was, a couple weeks ago about doing an interview. And, uh, and thank you for putting up with me, by the way, because I know I'm annoying. <laughs> and, uh, you, had not, you had not made the cut here at the Honda, and you'd played in that Seminole Pro member. And uh, we were texting, and you said, I'm gonna, I just got done. I'm going to drive up to Orlando, Bay Hill Week, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice. And I'm like, look at this guy. You know, he didn't make a cut. It's been a rough few weeks. Just played with Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, which we have to talk about. And, and as opposed to going, I'm going to enjoy this thing, which I can't even imagine what that pro member thing is like. It's like a field of dreams for American culture and business and sports. <laughs> you know, I don't, they, don't let, they don't let my ass near there. <laughs> but uh, and then you're like, I'm going to drive up to Orlando, which isn't just right around the corner. It's, you know, like two, three hours from here. And I'm going to go practice. And so, you know what I did, Adam? I had Adam Long all over my DraftKings teams that week because I'm like, this guy is going to do well at Bay Hill. Uh, and, and sure enough, I mean, you responded and I had no idea what your makeup was, but you know, you, you delivered, there's something to be said for that quality. There might be guys who can hit it 325, but if they don't have that mental makeup, it can compound and one, one bad series of holes might carry on for another couple of weeks. I'm sure you, you see it. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not asking you to name names, but that's a, that's a very important trait. The bounce back, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, I've I've usually been pretty good at bouncing back. I don't I, I go through lulls for sure where I'll, I'll miss some cuts or I won't have high finishes for a while. I mean, it could be it could be a couple months honestly. But then when things start clicking, I, I get it going. And uh, there's always some setbacks. But I, I I don't I'm pretty I've been really good at not dwelling too far on the, on the past and and not getting too worked up about it because I know it kind of comes and goes. I know that. And that's probably the beauty of the sport in general, that like the next day could be the best round of your life. Yeah. And so 
And, uh, and with golf, there's just so many variables with you, with your game that you can always be working on. Like you're never, you never figured out like putting, like you may be putting well, but like, you're not like, you're never not going to practice putting because right. you think you're just got it. And uh full swing with is the same thing. So yeah, I missed the cut of the Honda by two, which was frustrating, but, um, went, went and played on, on Monday, the the pro member at Seminole and we had like, I think we were, we were first off. So, and the pace of play out there is a huge thing. So we flew and what do you mean? Like guys are on you. If it's, if yeah. you're, Oh yeah. A, like, oh, it's I'm not going to name any names. Literally like, like <laughs> you're, you're pretty much told like if you're it, it, to run to the next tee, like, so especially who's, who's saying this, the players or the guys who are like the billionaires who are playing everything. It's known yeah. that like pace of play out there, even on a normal day is, yeah. is big at Seminole, which is awesome. But, it takes a little it's it's different but it's it's fast yeah. and, uh, anyway so we finished really early and I, I we drove up emily and i drove up to bay hill two hours and enough of like maybe an hour of of daylight left and i went and hit a range bunch of range balls and uh my coach josh gregory was up there just kind of by chance actually i didn't plan to work with him but we kind of worked on a few things that that got me clicking in the right direction and uh and those are that's the that's what you're trying to find. You're always searching. Really, always so you actually feel like you found something. Yeah. In, that, in that session. Really? Yeah, and it was kind of back to what I was feeling about six weeks ago, right before I won. Really, it's kind of the same feelings. I I just gotten a little away from it, and uh, which is fine. But um, you know, it's it's the same things I've battled with. I mean, since I was a kid with Brian Fote. I mean, yeah. it's it, it, we've worked on this a lot of the same things. I tend to get a little under. I tend to hit it a little thin. And uh, just trying to stay on top of it and covering it, which sounds easy, but it's it's hard for me sometimes. And uh, anyway, so yeah, I hit hit a bucket of balls till until dark, and and also a lot of these courses are new to me. They're all brand new. Right, I right. played Bay Hill once in my life before, and a year ago actually. But for the most part, these are my this is my first look at a lot of these courses. So I I don't really have a whole lot of time to like take Monday off and spend a whole day traveling, and then I just have Tuesday. Wednesday is a pro am that I'm not typically in. And you can't play the course, so I I only get Monday and Tuesday to look at these. Mm-hmm. So and I that's try to, so try important. To take advantage of it. It's so important. People don't think yeah. about that stuff. The ability, the course knowledge, you know, the local knowledge of that stuff. It's such a huge factor. That's a that's a big deal. Yeah, and I mean courses that uh, I mean some of these tournaments have been around for you know 40, 50 years or something. You know, but some of these guys have have I mean talk about the veterans of Phil Mickelson or Tiger or something, or even guys that are my age that have been out here for ten years like Ricky or something. Mm-hmm. These guys have have 50, 60 rounds on me on yeah, these courses yeah. in all different conditions and weathers and pin placement. And so it's like, I'm, I'm a pretty good step behind and I know that going in. So I feel like I, I need to take advantage of my Mondays and Tuesdays. So the, the start to the PGA Tour career, how would you characterize it? Rough? I mean, is that fair or is it, yeah. is it not fair? Yeah. Because there was one check. Yeah. And that was the T sixty three in Napa. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. Mark Mulder, Cardinal, yeah. playing in that thing. Did you get yeah. to see him play at all? I, I, no, I saw him uh, warming up in the range and stuff. So yeah, he had some good stuff. Yeah, I, I've had him on this show. He's in. He and I said to him, I said, "Do you ever think about playing like on the Champions Tour?" And he goes, "What people don't understand." He goes, "Because he plays with Pat Perez and Ches Riviat and Scottsdale, uh, yeah. Kyle Osh a good amount as well." And he goes, these guys shoot 65, and they're not even paying attention. I can like have a great round and maybe break 70. And I'll be like, man, I might have beaten them. And then they're like, no, I shot 65. And they're not even really paying attention. You know, it's just like, it's effortless. He goes, it's like the equivalent would be an A-ball player coming up to the big leagues. And they might get a hit, one out of 20 at bats. But you just don't understand the gap between one one level and then the actual tour. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's especially in that there's a lot of great 
athlete golfers and i mean i, I had a, a cool experience with jeremy roenick at his house in, uh, during the waste management and oh really yeah we had a cool uh what were you doing? Little, we Talking little, Blues Blackhawks or what? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. He, uh, well, we, we FaceTimed Brett Hall, so that was cool for oh, me. Oh, sweet. my childhood hero. So. Hall can play a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll get a, a game sometime. But uh, anyway, we talked a lot about that. Of, and, and, and he said, you know, people like him, including himself in the conversation, think they're pretty good golfers and, and all that. And people say Champions Tour stuff and all that. And they're like, no, it's, no, it's a totally different level when you're talking about some of the best players in the world at what they do. I mean, there's some really good golfers who play really good other sports, but like you can't play professionally. It's certainly not at the top level. So uh, there is a, there is a difference there between being the best at your club or best at to, to playing competitive tour golf, traveling and having your game travel is a little different. Marcus Allen has been a guest on the podcast. I don't know if you know, he lived in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He lives in St. Louis, Illinois, but uh, he's over and plays quite a bit. I played with him a few times, loves to play. Uh, Al McInnes, I was on the range with him on the Sunday morning of the PGA and just BSing. And so when McInnes, or when Marcus was on the podcast, I said to him, because he loves golf, and he's obviously a ridiculous athlete, and he was a great baseball player as well as a Hall of Famer in the NFL, and I said, do you think if you would have focused on golf only growing up and not football or baseball that you could have been on the tour? And he goes, I don't want it to come off the wrong way, but I think so. And so then I was... BSing with McKinnis. You know, we're watching Brooks, that leaderboard on Sunday morning. Bell Reed was sick. And uh, and we're watching him hit balls. And I said, so you with that slap shot, one of the most, you know, signature slap shots in the history of the NHL. So a great motion to start with and obviously some strength in those muscles. I said, if you would have worked only on golf growing up and not hockey, do you think you could play on the tour? He goes, and I told him what Marcus said. He goes, you know, Marcus is a different you know, he's just such a talented athlete that maybe it's different. He goes, but I just don't think I could have. I just don't think I could have. I, even if I would have worked nonstop, these guys just have some things that, you know, that the rest of us just don't have. What is your assessment now having seen and played with the best of the best, you know, that could an athlete who is great at whatever sport then just work on this and then become? Is that is that realistic? Uh Sure, it's possible. Sure, you, I mean, definitely. I mean, I would never say no, but it's. I think that the gap is different, is bigger than you think. It would take a lot, and I mean, Steph Curry was played the last two years. Yeah, he played on the web. Com event. Yeah, and were you out there with him? Yeah, uh, last year I was. The year before yeah. I wasn't. But uh, yeah, I mean, he and held up. It, yeah, last, the first year for sure, and then last year he had that second round in the eighties. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's really impressive actually, because that's that is a tournament setting, and now it, it, you just you don't know. I mean you don't know, but to to travel and to have that be your life, and you're tr- playing different courses and in uh, the ropes and the spotlight, and you know preparing for events Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then getting there Thursday morning, and until you're doing it, it's it's hard to know. But uh, it, I would venture to say no. Yeah, no, understandable. I think that's a fair answer. I've had a few people now say that since then. So the the start is no is not what you would want i would imagine if that's a fair way to characterize it are you starting to you're you're newlywed at this point what uh 10 months into your marriage your wife's grinding through it with you experienced the high getting the card but now it's not started off so great what are you thinking as it's not happening out of the gate what's your yeah, it, was, it was stressful because uh coming from the web.com category you're not guaranteed to to play in every event you don't you're not guaranteed to play in even the regular PJ Tour events, you know you're not going to get into like the majors, WGCs, mm. some of the invitationals, but even a regular PJ Tour event doesn't have everybody who came from the web.com in the field. Right. Um, I mean, easiest way to describe it would be there's typically, let's say there's 140 guys in the field. 
Um, well, 125 kept their card last year. And then there's 50 that came from the web, actually. 25 regular season right. and 25 finals. Well, that's 175. Like, somehow it doesn't, doesn't add up at, at some point, however many you throw in there. You're talking about talk, uh, you talk about sponsor exemptions, Monday qualifiers, and, and certain spots that, that, of that 140, it becomes 120. Becomes, mm-hmm. you know, there's actually not enough room for everybody. So there's more members than there are playing every week. And, and where you are in that web.com category matters. If you're number one, you're going to get into a lot of this stuff. And if you're number 50 of that or reordering, you're not going to you're, get you're in trouble. And so right. I was towards the bottom. I started out right in the middle, basically. And uh, I was first alternate for uh, for Mexico and was second alternate for, for Vegas. Didn't get into those in the fall. And there's only five events in the fall. And I, I played three of them and missed the cut in two and, and made the cut in Safeway. But yeah, and the other ones, I'm on site. I'm there. I want to play, but I was I didn't get in, and it's so frustrating. And you're you're. It's not like they comp you for that, correct? No, you're, I you're paid the, for you're everything. Yeah, hook, you're yeah. out there. You're on the hook for your flights and your house or your uh, hotels, whatever. And uh, and it's re- but more than that, you're just you're not you're not getting the opportunity to play. And then everybody ahead of you who you need to pass is playing, so they're getting the opportunity to play, and you're not. And it's very very stressful. And there's no guarantee that I was going to get into the first event of the year uh, to start the new year it would be Sony in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going through Christmas as outside looking in. Like, you starting to get worried? I mean, you said it's stressful. Yeah, Are you getting worried? Absolutely. Okay, you're worried. Yeah. yeah, I was worried. I was stressful. I was frustrated. And you, you do your best not to look at it. You know you're going to get your opportunities, right? The, the better way to look at it is to is to trust that you're going to get your starts. I, was gonna, I knew that I was still going to somehow play 15, 20 events. But, I mean, when you're not playing them in, to, in the first half of the year, you're like, well, I'm way behind the eight ball. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough to, it's really hard not being able to plan a schedule. Like I, I don't know if I'm going to get into this tournament or that tournament or what, I mean, you're just kind of, you're going to play some Monday qualifiers. You're going to hope for an exemption maybe, but for the most part, you're probably not going to play and it's brutal. Um, and you can, you know, you're going to play some, but for the most part, you don't know. And, uh, so I went out to the, to the Sony in Hawaii and, and thought I was going to have to Monday qualify and. Woke up from Monday morning. I think I was second alternate for the tournament, which is good, but it's also Hawaii. Like, who's right, who's, yeah. who's withdrawing at the last minute in Hawaii? Like, right. you know, you're going. You're, if you're going, you're going. If you're not, you're not. Right. You know, this isn't. You're not going to Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> it's pretty hard to get to. So anyway, teed off in the Monday qualifier. Emily was actually caddying for me, which was the first. But uh, <laughs> I was like two under through three. I'm like, all right, maybe you know, I'll, I'll just Monday my way into this thing, you know. But they called me off the course and said I got into the field. So uh, you're excited. And what had happened? What? What had happened? Who? who? Uh, I don't even remember. You don't remember? Kevin Na maybe withdrew. Oh yeah. And, and somebody else, I forget. Okay. Maybe played well the week before the tournament champions and withdrew late. But okay. I, I forget exactly the circumstances. So they call you off the course. I didn't care. Yeah, exactly. You're thrilled. <laughs> I'm in the field, right? All right. So uh, you know, I go prepare for the Sony and and miss that cut by two, and uh, but things were going in the right direction. I I just played my first event in a while. I went through all. December without playing anything so uh went to Palm Springs a little early and there's three courses out there I'd played two of them before but um there's a lot to learn so but I went out there and kind of found something I guess you could say and uh felt like my game was in the right place and the rest is history yeah well let's get I got to get into that though so you 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 start things off with what on Thursday Oh, oh, I bogeyed the first hole. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're getting God. very specific. I like that. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you know that your scores are low at this thing, yeah. and, and you you start off with a bogey. You're like, geez, you know, you never you don't want to start with a bogey, but it's just it's still annoying that like 
here's your chance to play. Right. Field. And, and you're like, bogey. Come on, we're not going to play like crap again today. Come on. So what I, was the problem? The tee shot, the approach, uh, three jack. What do we got going on? Uh, bad approach, bad chip, bad uh, putt. Uh, uh, it's just not good. So. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I ended up shooting nine under first round and uh, par seventy two. Yeah. So I shot sixty three to start, which I thought was pretty good. And I look up the leaderboard and Mickelson shot uh, what is it twelve under? Yeah. And um, starting geez, our this, day and trying to go into the fifty nine. Yeah. Even, yeah. Get on top of the leaderboard. But anyway, uh, yeah. I mean that that was that was huge. That was for me to just to. Have, have that round under my belt. The first round of the year at the Safeway was was like a six under sixty six. That other than that, I hadn't had a whole lot of low rounds in a while, so that that felt nice to get off to a good start. Yeah, and then you have a step back though on Friday, correct? Double the first hole. <laughs> Damn first hole. <laughs> yeah, double the first hole at the Stadium Course, which is a tough hole, but shouldn't make double. And uh, but anyway, bounce back to shoot two under, which was a was great. I was happy. It's the harder hardest by far of the three courses, and happy to shoot under par there any day so um i was still right on track and then a great round on saturday saturday was big yeah i mean that 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 really shot me up the leaderboard obviously but um take advantage of being being in a good spot of the tournament which is huge it's moving day after all right it's so, moving day uh you know shot uh 63 and uh i did it well you know yeah 63 right on saturday yeah and uh boom all of a sudden i'm in the in the last group Hey, hope you're enjoying this conversation with Adam Long on the Tim McKernan Show. Without our sponsors, we would have no guests. We would have no questions from the audience. So support the sponsors of the show. They make the podcast possible. James Carlton has been one of those sponsors from the very, very beginning. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton at 314-961-4800. And so many people have gotten into the business of making sure that they check out reviews on companies uh, when they're when before they're doing business. Well, great, then do that. Do that with James because you're going to see Google reviews and Facebook reviews, and you're going to see glowing reviews. And I remember the first time I met James, and he said, "Yeah, tell people to to see what kind of response we get with the Google and Facebook reviews." And I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, who's going to get that worked up about an insurance guy?" Well, now that I am a client of James, I made the switch. I get it. I don't even I don't have any copy in front of me. I'm just telling you about my own personal experience. I get why he gets great Google and Facebook reviews because I would give him a great Google and Facebook review. As a matter of fact, I think I did. And that's because there's a huge difference between what James Carlton and his staff do and what everybody else does. There's an intention of detail, there's customer service. There's uh, following up on things that you might have let slip through the cracks, and you got to have that with insurance. I mean, you're talking about your home. You're talking about your auto. You're talking about your life insurance. These are really important things. 314-961-4800, 314-961-4800. You're not going to get voicemail. You're calling during business hours. You're going to talk to somebody. He employs a large staff to make sure that when you call, you're talking to somebody. Uh, that's, that's not commonplace. It should be. I understand why it's not keep costs down but you know it should be and there's a difference and that's what he does that's why he's got to grow in business 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net if your insurance costs a leg and an arm call james carlton state farm 314-961-4800 back to adam long here on the tim mckernan show so let me get into this now now we're in the final group and the way that it works i'm i've, I've learned is it used to be used to look up i don't know where how or whatever they, they would tell you you're your, your pairing and your final group or whatever, and how they would find out. Now you guys get texts, correct? Yeah. 
So now you're, I guess you can, you can, you know, I suppose who you're going to be with. I assume yeah, I mean, just because you can look at the leaderboard right. and be like, I'm it, there. It's, it's easy when you're at the top or the bottom, right? To know, like, <laughs> who you're going to play with kind of thing. But as long as you know, if it's twosomes or threesomes, that could shake things up too. But and it, it, the desert classic, they're they, threesomes, they decided threesomes, uh, most cause some guys have the amateur team still playing. So whatever. So they put us in threesomes, but yeah, getting that text Saturday night was pretty cool. I mean, I, I knew that I was going to be in that group, but like you see that text. And what does it say? Uh, it just tells you, the, like the tournament name and the who, your your tea time and who you're playing with. So. And you see Adam Hadwin and Phil Mickelson. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, honestly, like even something little like that gets you fired up a little bit. Like this is going to be exciting. Had you met him at that point? No, I hadn't met Phil. I, I'd played with Adam in the past on the web and stuff, so I knew him a little, but uh, never Phil. And so, like I said, in reading up on this uh, before we got together, that uh, I think it was your caddy, perhaps, or maybe. It was your swing coach who said, uh, Adam told me that he was more nervous meeting Phil before the round than he actually was once he got out there. So you, you meet him, were you nervous meeting him? And what was uh, not really. I mean, I, w- I was excited and I, I mean, I, I was pretty focused. I had a nice good warm up, like just like the previous days. And Did you sleep the night before? Yeah, I was fine. I mean, honestly. This I mean, is why you win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was excited and, and I was excited and nervous and a little on edge, but like for the most part, I, I knew. Is your wife with you? Yeah, okay. that was awesome to have her there, but I knew that if I let it get to me, if you think about it too much, and if you let it, if you think about the negatives, especially the night before or the morning before is you're, you're done. And, uh, and I got, an, I got some nice encouraging texts from some people. And, and one of them, you know, was, you know, no matter what happens, you want to go to bed tonight, Sunday night, um, after the round, you want to, you want to know that you gave it your all and, and you didn't give up and you were in the right moment and you really embraced it. And, and I took that kind of to the next level to myself of, I'll never know if I'll get that chance again to, to let alone be in the final group on the PGA Tour on a Sunday, but be paired with a Hall of Famer, one yeah. of the best ever, Phil Mickelson. So I really wanted to embrace that and have fun with it and and not really think about winning or the moment or what good or bad could happen. I mean, honestly, I needed a top 10 to get into the Farmers the next week. Uh-huh. So um, I was a little protective against that. but. I really just wanted to embrace it, laugh, smile, and be over the top um, happy than than a normal round. Oh, this is so healthy. This is so mentally healthy. <laughs> so the first hole had been a problem, but you started out strong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Saturday, I made par on the hole, but like I had struggled and grinded for par on the first. Yeah. So I'm like, come on, here we go. Let's let's get off to a good freaking start. And. Uh, uh, luckily I did. I birdied the first hole and, and Phil actually three putted the first hole. He had a three shot lead and, uh, and he three putted and, and then we all birdied the next hole, but starting out birdie birdie for me was huge. Was huge. Just it, kind of settling the nerves. Everything's going to be all right. We're good. I can handle it. Are you guys talking at all throughout yeah, this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam and Phil knew each other decently from before. And, uh, and then Adam and I, like I said, knew each other, but Phil's smiling, doing the thumbs up thing. Yeah, as he that whole thing <laughs> for sure. And you know, the, uh, NFL playoffs was going on. So we had, I know we had a lot of talk. I was on that. tilt that day <laughs> about that damn Rams saints game. Cause obviously I don't want the Rams to win. I would assume you're <laughs> there with me. Saints. Well, you're a, and you were born in new Orleans. Yeah. I don't know, but were you a saints fan? No, probably really. a Rams fan. I am now. I don't know. Well, I was that day. Yeah. Right. And I was so pissed about that. No, call i was i was I'm embarrassed by how much it bothered me and yeah. i didn't want to watch anything else so the thing that calmed me down and that i started tweeting about i go hey if you don't want to watch the nfl right now 
St. Louis and Adam Long is like putting on a clinic here in the Desert Classic. And so some of the people who follow me started paying attention to this thing. So you guys are out there. You're BSing about the – because that was the first game. The Chiefs and Patriots were the second game. So right, yeah. So you're out there talking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking about that mostly, but just some other stuff. I mean, Phil had some good stories. We, had, we waited on one of the par threes on the front and had some good stories about, about some guys. And I don't know. So he was cool. Relaxed. Yeah, he was very cool. I mean – not that he was like super interested in me or like asking a whole lot of questions, but he was very outgoing and, and uh, told some stories and pretty talkative. I had knew, known his caddy, Tim, his brother, yeah. from before too, but um, you know, I talked with him some, and it was pretty lighthearted for the most part, which helped. I mean, that was big for me to, to be feel comfortable in that situation and not, I think, honestly, if it was Tiger, it may have been different, um, especially old Tiger, maybe new Tiger. <laughs> a different, but, um, I was fortunate to be, I mean, to have those two guys who are very outgoing, talkative, happy people. Um, that weren't like super intense and, and crazy, you know, that helped. But, um, yeah, I felt really comfortable out there, which you only hope that you're going to feel that way. You wish you could feel that way every round, but there was a sense of calmness and happiness that, uh, I, I may have kind of dug up to make sure that I had, but I was fortunate that I felt that way most of the day. So you get to the back nine and, and while you're certainly in the mix, I mean, there was, there was a, there was a gap there, you know, um, but then you start turning it on. I mean, are you in your mind like, okay, I got to try and so, I mean, you're always trying your best, of course, but what's the mentality as you're heading down the stretch here? And what was the situation? Was Adam up by three? Yeah, well, I think? At, at one point, Adam was up by four, four at, at one point. And, uh, honestly, I didn't scoreboard watch a whole lot. I just knew I had a lot of work to do and I needed to avoid finishing 11th. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, I, I, I wasn't too, I wasn't ever concerned about winning. I'd never, never crossed my mind, never was a focus, never was my goal. It was never about winning. It was all about having fun, embracing it, enjoying it. Hitting, God, this is so healthy. Good you, you, your healthiness bothers like, me like, now. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, it, it sounds like almost fake. But, but it's so important, on, I'm it's, sure. It, and I just drilled home to myself that I wasn't going to think too far ahead. And, and, and for whatever reason, I, I felt very comfortable. And uh, I, I hope next time I can feel the same way. I don't know that I will, but... It's, uh, I was fortunate, but, uh, yeah, I mean, at one point Adam was up by four and, um, but he made a, made a bogey coming through and then I chipped in on, on 12 and birdie 13 and chipped in on 14. And that's when yes. things really yes. got pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and Phil birdied 15, Adam missed a birdie putt on 15. So we go to 16 and Adam and I are tied for the lead and Phil's one back and 16's a reachable par five. Adam and I both hit it up by the green and two flub our chips more or less. It's a tough chip, but <laughs> we definitely didn't execute. Ended up making par. And Phil's got a, 50, I don't know, maybe it was 10 feet for eagle. Blows it like six feet by. It, but makes the one coming back for birdie. So now we go to 17 all tied up. And it's an island green. Definitely the one of those holes that you're thinking about way in advance. And uh, and you, it's, it's smaller than Sagra. I, I can promise you. I don't, I don't know what the exact dimensions are, but it, it looks smaller, and I, it's got to be smaller than Sagra. Not as it's famous, but, but, fa but, but smaller. Yes. Yeah. Certainly longer. I mean, it's it's a good 160. I think that day was 170-something, and Sawgrass at the most, Ooh. maybe it's 150 at the yeah. most, 140 yeah. probably. And so, uh, and it's, it's narrow. So, like, at, at, at La Quinta, PJ West, it's it's narrow. So if you're a little off right or left, you're, you're done. At least with sawgrass, you can kind of aim yeah. in the middle, and you can be off by 10 yards and still hit the green, but not there. And uh, anyway, so we go to that hole all tied up. And honestly, I just want to hit the freaking green. I'm not lying. And <laughs> I, I know that you know we're all tied up here, but I need. I'm still thinking about 10th place, and I I, I don't even know if 
fully that we were tied, but I, I was pretty sure we were all tied. And uh, you're not looking. Are you consciously not looking? Yeah. Or you're, you're yeah. consciously not looking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's really hard on the PJ Tour, especially there. It's everywhere. You right. Have a standard bearer oh right God. in your face, yeah. walking along with. Now the there's group. the video and there's boards, video or... boards, and the yeah, there's, they're everywhere. And uh, you know, I I, I knew I, I'd look at a few of them mostly unintentionally, but you can't avoid them sometimes. But uh, without looking straight at the ground. So uh, anyway, we all hit it to like pretty average shots. We all had 30, 40, 50 footers maybe on the, on the last, or on six, 17. And then uh, I lag mine up there. Phil almost makes his. I, I, I still at this point, I'm thinking Phil's going to do something crazy to win this thing. He's going <laughs> to hit a hole in one or he's going to drain his bomb on 17. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to win. He's, he's won 40 something of these things for a reason. Everybody's pulling for him, right? Minus oh, yeah. the Canadians who are in Palm a lot Springs. Of Canadians to hang out. In, yeah. in Palm Springs, which was, which was a surprise to me, but they were everywhere. <laughs> They're Canadian fellow. So, uh, and then I had a small fraction of uh, fans myself, my being my wife and my dad <laughs> that were there on property. but You were represented. <laughs> yeah, a few random cheers here and there, but uh, yeah, way outnumbered. And uh, anyway, we all make par in 17, 18. I hit it a little right of the fairway, which is the miss. I mean, it's Are you tied on? I mean, are you th- well, is, is your tee shot on 18 tied for the lead with Phil Mickelson? And let's not discount Adam Hadwin. I mean, he's right. a legitimate player too, yeah, but he's, he's not going, Phil Mickelson. Right. But he's, he's a legit player. Yeah. Is the is the tee shot there? Like the take yourself back to that moment. Are you like, oh my god, this is it? Or are you within yourself? What are, what are you thinking? Uh, it, it hit me a little more, a little more on that tee shot than it did at any yeah. point in the day. Of like, but it, it's still like at least you have a little bailout right, like left. You're in the water. It's a pond all the way up the left side, and so I was aiming up the right side of the fairway, like literally the right edge. Pretty conservative, but I know what's at stake here. That I need to have a shot at the green, and. Uh, Hit it pretty much dead on my line, and then it got kicked a little right, and goes kind of over these hills. And you figure right. it's going to be on a flat, whatever. It's it's fine. I'm it's safe. Like I can, I can. At that point, I was like, oh yeah, I can do whatever I want. Uh, I, honestly, after I hit the green on 17, I was like, this is a success. Like this was an awesome <laughs> How day. Great is this? this is an awesome. Because you day. were worried about the top 10. I'm, I'm getting into the San Diego the next week. Are you thinking about money at all during no, this stuff? No, no. I have no, no clue. And. Uh, and so. I, Do you realize that sounds weird? Yeah, probably. But I, it, in pro golf, like it. There's always money on the line, and and I'd, I've always been kind of fortunate, I guess, that I, I don't I don't ever think about the money on the golf course. Afterwards, you can be like, man, that putt was for whatever right. thousands of dollars, whatever. But for the most part, like, it, it's not like you. But have this is the, seven it, figures. I mean, yeah, this but it's is not a, like you have the money and you have to give it away. Right. To screw right, up. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right, right. That, that would hurt a little bit more if you had to reach in my pocket and say, here right. you go. Yeah, here you go, Phil. But ver- it's more about earning as much as you can. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not that. I don't know. But, uh, so you're in a good place. The tee shot is yeah, it's, it's up. Dry. It's dry. I exactly. I can't see it, but I know it's fine. And, and uh, the other two guys, you know, Hadwin and Phil, pipe it down the middle, which is fine. I, you know, Phil's going to hold out. I think it's still. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really care. But uh, it's it's my shot first. And I get over the hill, and I was pretty pissed to see that. Like I was watching this live, like, man. How does that this not go down to the fly right. lie? Like it's pretty steep there, so it gets hung up. I got the ball way below my feet, um, left foot below my right hanging lie and water left you can bail right but that's going to be a, a crazy tough up and down to that left pin and uh i kind of i grabbed six iron at first it's like 175 i think i can like choke something down and just kind of chop it to the front and have it chase back and i, I just thought thought twice and said never mind i'm, I'm going to swing full at this thing i don't want to be trying to finesse something mm-hmm. in there so i grabbed the seven and w- and kind of went through the process pretty quickly. I, I didn't want to overthink it because a lot could go wrong. If I and I just wanted to fire it right in the middle of the green. I've been playing well all week, hitting the ball well all day. Same kind of swing thoughts. 
and uh, ripped it right at it and uh, pulled it a little bit and looked up and it was going right at the flag and and uh, ended up being 13 feet when I was like, wow, okay, this is awesome. Yeah, man. I'm either going to have like a chance at a playoff or Phil probably still going to make this shot, but <laughs> that's still fine. Eagle. Yeah, he's still going to somehow win this thing, but like that's pretty cool. Uh, at least I'm going to have a chance. From that lot, I mean, I don't think like there's talk of it being like one of the shots of the year. Now, it was going on while the Rams Saints controversy was going on and the Chiefs and Patriots are playing, so it's not like it took place at, like if you were to do this at Augusta, for example, but. Considering the circumstances and considering that shot, I, I saw what you're driving. I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, you know? me too. <laughs> At first, I was like, oh, man. And then to execute it like you did, my God. So you get up on the green, and everybody's got – no, Hadwin was off the green, right? Yeah, he but hit you the and bunker. Mickelson are on. Yeah, Hadwin hit in the bunker over the green and uh, almost made his bunker right. shot. hit, so it was probably two feet, but almost made it. And then uh, Phil had a 40-something footer probably, but – Almost made his putt. Man, that thing looked like it was going in. And uh, so w w when his putt missed officially, it, it, it for a split second it hit me like, okay, this is a putt to win the this tournament. This is a putt to win the tournament. Okay, so what's going on in your mind? This is what I need to know because all I know is the Westboro member guest. This is all I can relate to. Yeah, honestly, um, I, I, I had done some mental stuff beforehand. Well, actually, uh, the last four or five years I've done a lot. And, and, and one of the feels is like having a, a putt to win the tournament on the last hole. But all you're thinking about – is the same stuff you've been thinking about all like you have to think about the same things you've been thinking about all week and it, it, and not to care a whole lot if it goes in or not but the process of like hitting a good putt doing going sticking to your routine doing the same things and and, and that was my focus and for, i mean for a split second i'm not gonna lie i was like this is to win the the, the tournament but then i was like okay it's my turn i got it like, yeah, with okay, the man in I've black over your shoulder before. yeah <laughs> i've done this in my head before I, and Honestly, it was like a, it was breaking maybe six inches or something. You saw Phil's putt, right? And you got a chance to yeah, get a read no, on that. Shadows were, uh, you know, uh. twenty feet long at that point. So it was. I had to get way out on the other side of the green to watch. So I, I couldn't get in in time to really watch it. But it, it broke enough left. I could I could see. But it was just one of those putts that I was, was kind of over, and I, I felt I could see the line. I could see it going in. And I I really felt it that. Uh, that I was going to make it, and uh, and and I just I kind of went through my routine. I tried to kind of be quick a little bit, like not overthink it or slow down or think about the moment or anything. And I just hit the putt exactly how I wanted to, and it was tracking. I went dead dead nuts, and then I just lost my mind. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I blacked out it's after the best. that. <laughs> I'm sure you're aware of the cutaway of Mickelson where he you can read his lips where he goes, "Wow." Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like the Pujols Lidge home run where Pettit and Clemens are sitting there and they see the ball go up and they go, wow, or yeah. oh my God. Like yeah. Mickelson, I'm sure Mickelson's thinking, as I'm sure you're thinking, Mickelson's thinking, I mean, rookie, you know, sure he can make it, but he isn't going to make this thing, right. you know. Probably, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking, but uh, it didn't matter. I was, uh, I, I, I couldn't believe it just like anybody else and. uh you know, I saw Emily coming running down the hill towards the green. What's she doing? Tears in her eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was like in more disbelief than I was, and, uh, <laughs> and the, but actually, like Adam still had to finish his putt, which is kind of a funny story, yeah. but an inside joke between us now. But like, you uh, and Adam have an inside joke over the finish of his. Uh... No, he he didn't know. He didn't see her coming down. I guess, but uh, he saw like a two footer worth you know a few hundred thousand dollars. Like, yeah, it's a pretty big putt. But um, anyway, uh, the, actually, it was it was Bones McKay who was doing the golf channel. It was like. Uh, told Emily like go ahead go like you know he he won like go and she's like oh okay and, like freaks out runs down the hill and I'm like seeing her on the fringe I'm like stop stop that way Adam's still got a putt here and uh anyway Adam tapped in and then we all I don't know it was all a blur from there oh, what did, do you remember what Phil said to you uh, I I some I just said congratulations I don't it wasn't much more than that yeah. and then we had to all go to the scoring tent or trailer but uh 
wasn't a whole lot, but enough. Yeah. I mean, now that it's been a couple months, about a couple months, and you look back on that, anything from that that you look back and go, oh, my God. I mean, obviously hitting a putt on the 18th to win a PGA Tour event yeah. against Phil Mickelson is, is, is enough. But yeah. is there anything that we didn't see that you look back on like, my God, I can't believe that happened? Not really. I mean, uh, even the two chip-ins were really basic. I mean, one of them was, you know, probably 12 feet from the hole, and the yeah. other one is as straightforward as a chip that I've hit 10,000 of. So, What are you hitting? What club are you using on that? I'm not, I know this is uh, golf nerddom here. Uh, they're, I think they're both 60s. Okay. Yeah. But uh, just just from off the green. But uh, honestly, when I think back of it, I just am so happy and proud of the way I handled the, the moment and the situation. I think that's more than hitting the shot, which is great. I handled the pressure and all that. But like the, the way I felt and, and carried myself and, and the way I was totally there mentally was uh, was something I can always – draw back from and say that I mean I, I need to feel that way Thursday at Honda I need to feel that way every round mm -hmm. and uh, I hope to feel that same way at Augusta yeah I am uh, I mean I'm, I, I, for, for real it's been like an educational experience on how to handle how to handle it's the hard. game it's yeah hard. I mean I, I've been in similar situations in the past that didn't go so well and um, didn't handle the heat of the moment as well and it's all a learning process and I'm sure I'll be I'll be in another situation that's that's similar and I won't quite quite execute it as well but um, you know, it's, it's, we're all trying to just trying to get into those moments to have those opportunities is what it's all about. And then what happens happens and you just try to learn from it. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool experience. Have you been in awe at any moment on, on this, on this ride? Like, especially being a tiger guy growing up, like I'm sure like damn near everybody that's out there in your age range were growing up. Have you had that moment yet? I mean, he's still like, he's, he's still is different than everybody. I mean, it's funny, even at the players last week, you're in dining and, and his highlights come on or he's playing live while we're before we're about to go play and everybody's just glued to the TV when he's on. I mean, the players. Oh yeah. They, I'm talking about Ryder cup players and <laughs> we're all like looking at it. And you just can't help. You just want to, he's just so different and uh, he's still the same, you know, he goes by you on the putting green and you just feel it, you know, it like, it's just different. It's awesome. <laughs> Even though he's new tiger. Totally. Like it doesn't matter. Like, like the thing he did with Kevin now on the, on right. the Island green. You would never have done that. Years <laughs> right. ago, Absolutely. Sure. But uh, it's cool. I mean, it, it's it, to have him back and be in the sport and to, to, for me now to be in the same arena with that is it's pretty special. Yeah. Well, I am, I'm so happy for, I know I, I was, I was legitimately surprised Hey, I'm going to be interviewing Adam Long. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm like, well, I'm excited. I'm glad you're excited. I mean, you're like, People, you know, everybody kind of wants the. It's like what David Freeze experienced, you know? Like, the people are happy because he's a Cardinal, but he's a guy from St. Louis who did it as a Cardinal. How cool is that? And here you are, St. Louis, and kind of carrying the torch for the guys who, who wanted to get there. People were thrilled with what Nagel did, certainly, sure. you know, but... To see you doing it, I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like there's more where that came from. That's kind of my that's kind of my vibe, especially after talking to you. You're just too, too damn even keel. It's great. <laughs> God, it's awesome. No, it's been a fun ride, and uh, like same as before, you're, you're just trying to get a little bit better all the time. Yeah. And uh, if I can finish the rest of this year off in, in nicely, then hopefully next year will be a little bit better. And but you can't get too far ahead of yourself in, in golf. I mean, you just. You just got to keep it, keep it in stride and just keep trying to get, do all the little things that, that you know that you're doing the right thing and, and keep getting a little bit better. You, you just don't want to have a round this year where you have 41 putts. No, <laughs> I, that, that, I'll make that my new goal. How about that? <laughs> Less 40 or under. <laughs> Adam, I've appreciated it, man. This has been great. Thanks so much. Yeah, you got it, Tim. Thanks. All right. So there it is, Adam Long on the Tim McKernan Show. Adam, our guest presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I feel like part of me thinks he's making fun of the fact that I had 41 putts in one round. 
But then again, maybe he's like, wow, you had 41 putts. How come you're not out on tour with me? Maybe that's what he's... Now, I do know that when Paul Casey won the 2018 Valspar, I think he had 23 putts in the final round, but that had to be only on like six holes. Uh, 41 putts is, is I think, your, your tour average ballpark. So in talking to Adam and listening to Adam, I'm curious what your thoughts are as you hear him. First off, I would imagine you come away from going, what a likable guy, what a down-to-earth guy for a guy who has won on the tour and is over the last seven weeks won at least $1.2 million. I believe that's the total. It might be more. Uh, his wife is still working. I don't know how much longer that will go on. I assure you that if he wins a green jacket, that won't be uh, continuing. And I'm not sure even Adam is sitting there going, yeah, I expected it to be. But as you heard him, the the thing that, and I, I think at one point in the interview, actually, I did I did say, I said, your your healthiness with your mindset is bothering me because it's so, it's so right and I think it comes so naturally to him now that he has worked with people on it. It's it's second nature to him. Um, and then I realize, like, yeah, you can hit a ball further than me and you can spin a ball and you can most likely, maybe on a good day, get through 18 holes without 41 putts. But uh, his mindset, I think, is the thing that sets him apart. And, uh, you know, because I was thinking going into the interview – as I said, and as you heard me say, that I figured there had to come multiple times in between 2011 and 2019 where he thought, okay, you know, it's it's been fun, but it's just not happening. That's enough. It's time to go get a quote-unquote real job. And it just, that was never the case. Like, he never had a doubt. And, and I'm... I'm in awe of that. I'm impressed by it. I don't know. You know, now it's easy to say that. Like if I would have been talking to him a year ago, I'm sure some people would have gone, okay, enough's enough. You're 31 years old. Time to get a real job. As if it's anybody's business what he does. But nonetheless, just just an, as an observer. And in his mind, he's like, no, I just I could see the, the improvements. And, you know, a 31-year-old rookie on the tour is, is not common. So... You know, and he just never really had any doubt. And I don't know if he ever had a, if he ever necessarily expected to win on the tour, but that it was moving in the right direction. And then he wasn't sitting there going, "Yeah, I gotta, I gotta pull the plug." That's just really impressive. And then you know, and I know, I know it's kind of getting into the weeds of the interview. But if you recall, you know, when he talked about how he went bogey, bogey, and he thought he might be in a spot where he could lose his his PGA Tour card. And as opposed to, like, thinking about that, thinking about that, all he did was make sure that he worked in between the events, and then he had an incredible tournament where he did wind up locking up his PGA Tour card on the web uh, the week before it even got into the final event. So that's the thing. When I hear that, you go, okay. Because when I play with some guys um, who are at, I don't know if I would necessarily say at Adam's level, I mean, how many PGA Tour winners do I get a chance to play with, but... Uh, who are great players, and Adam knows these guys, and Mike Wellington's one of them, if you recall him from the Nick and the Badger show, a really good guy. Um, and he all, when we're working on stuff, he goes, and I got this book on you know sports psychology, and I really want you to read it. I think it'll really help you. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I mean, it, but it kind of seems like almost like busy work. It's like I got to work on my chipping. You know, I have like a 
15% up and down percentage. It doesn't matter what's in the book. But there's so much of it that's mental. There's so, like, for example, I'll, just, I'll lay out a scenario here. Because if you're listening at this point, you, you most likely play the game of golf or at least play a decent amount. It's like when Raby and I are playing. And one guy's shooting a 97, another guy's shooting a 98, and somebody wins five bucks. And then Raby runs around bragging to people about winning. What a fraud that Chris Raby is. But I digress. I, I have to digress. But, like, I'll notice for both of us uh, that it's like if somebody's already won the hole but you're still putting and it's not like, a, you know, inside the circle of trust, putt, so you got like seven feet, whereas if he had to two-putt to get in and win the hole, he'd probably leave it, or I'd probably leave it, you know, a foot short, a seven-foot putt. But if we've already won the hole, then we go at it and and oftentimes hit the putt because at that point it quote unquote doesn't matter. And that that which you're sitting there because it's not mechanical. That's not mechanical. That's mental. And it's such a huge part of it. And that's the thing. I didn't. I don't even know if I planned on talking about that at all with Adam. But as we continued to talk that became the thing that stood out to me. Certainly there's work ethic and obviously there's talent. Um, but the mental element of it is the thing that stands out to me, you know, and why there are guys on, even on tour who you feel like if they get in the mix and I, and it's not fair to like, especially when they could beat me by 50 strokes, but you just kind of go, yeah, there he is leaderboard at the, you know, at the end of the second round, or he's in the mix on Sunday and you just know it's not going to happen. And it's a weird thing. And maybe all it takes is just one breakthrough. Like Jay Williamson was our guest a month or two ago. And he's like, I wonder what would have happened if I would have won one of those two sudden death playoffs, how much it would have changed for me. And obviously the, the money would have changed, but like mentally, once you win, now you know you belong. And so Adam has done that. Then he followed it up a few weeks later with a, with a, but it didn't feel like a few weeks, more like a month and a half to, to Adam anyway, because um, I'm sure it was bothering him. He wasn't making cuts, but to finish with a top 10 at Bay Hill, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, you know, now you know. A top 10 without the Desert Classic at Bay Hill would have been great. But you, you got a Desert Classic win and a top 10 at Bay Hill. Now I bet there's a difference in the mentality. It's like, I belong. I know I can play with these guys. You know, I, I stared down Phil Mickelson and had to hit a birdie putt on the 72nd hole where no one wants me to win. They're either pulling for Mickelson or Hadwin. No one wants me to win. They don't want to see me hit this putt. And Phil Mickelson sees me drain this thing, and Mickelson... You just see him mouth the words, wow. Like, he wasn't expecting him to hit it, and he did it. And once you do that, and Adam said it himself, he said, you know, maybe it would have been a little different with Tiger. I, th- I thought that was one of the most entertaining parts of the interview, kind of a peek behind the curtain, that when he was up at, uh, what, the Players or Bay Hill, and Tiger's out on the course, and where the players are eating lunch, they're, they're all watching, and they just stop what they're doing to watch him play. Even the guy, he goes, even Ryder Cup guys. So you can sit there and in your mind start going through, okay, who are the Ryder Cup guys and, and the guys that are sitting there and they're watching him. And there's just that aura that when he walks past you on the putting green, you feel it. That's, that that uh, kind of drives it home. Um, but, you know, that you stared down Phil Mickelson, kind of on his turf too, and and you beat him. 
I mean, what did that does for you? You know, it, listen, if he would have won the Safeway, you know, or if he would have won, you know, in Las Vegas, you know, listen, that's a PGA Tour win. But you stared down Phil Mickelson, and you had that thing that everybody, when they play the game, okay, this putt is to win, and I've got 15 feet, and I'm dueling Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson. He actually lived it from Francis Howell to the 72nd hole at the Desert Classic against Phil Mickelson, and he delivered. I mean, what that does for you. And then you, then now that you've heard him talk, you're just kind of, I bet, I would imagine a lot of you are coming away from going, okay, well, I get why he's really good and why I'm not. You know, I get a double bogey on a hole, and the next thing I know, I've got a triple on the next one and a double on the next one, and it's a, it's an absolute disaster. And, you know, you just hear the way it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, I knew I had to do it, and and uh, and he did it. So, um, good guy. Good guy. Certainly, that's the number one takeaway, and with a great head on his shoulders, that probably goes without saying if you were recruited and got through Duke. But um, somebody to pull for. Somebody. I mean, I was already pulling for him as it was, just as a St. Louis guy out on tour, just like I was with Chris Nagel when he was at the U.S. Open. But, uh, you know, Adam will be playing these tour events now with his uh, PGA Tour win and the exemption that comes with it. And if you're looking for somebody to pull for at the Masters, you certainly have somebody in St. Louis and Adam Long. And who knows, maybe he's about to, uh, to really turn into a face on the PGA Tour. I've noticed that I feel like they're kind of promoting him and kind of doing some things on social media with him. So maybe they're trying to build him into another new face on the PGA Tour. Um, pretty cool. Either way, great guy. Grateful for his time and uh, and look forward to continuing to stay in touch with Adam Long. Congratulations to him on his success. Thank you to Ryan Kelly for sponsoring our studios. Thank you to PGA National for setting us up at PGA National to do the interview. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, to James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, to Johnny Londoff, Chevrolet, Londoff.com, Highway 270, and the Washington Elizabeth Exit, and to Design Air Heating and Cooling, the number one train dealer in the Midwest online at designairservice.com. Thank you to everybody for listening, to Gangster Pete and Iggy for producing, and Adam Long for talking. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.